Rebuild of the favorites. We here for the latest. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. It's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantes or the whole league that we hear now. New show with a new mood. Discussions and interviews. Trade rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Welcome to the Pinwheels and Ivy podcast. My name is Aldo. I'm with Kevin and Mitch. Zoe is trying to save his house from getting completely flooded. Uh, thoughts and prayers is a tough, tough night uh, in Chicago all around mm-hmm. uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, just like uh, Zoe's basement, the scene for Chicago baseball is uh, terrible uh, the past week here. Uh, the biggest news, though, we're going to start off with some good news here. Um, Luis Robert, who I think we all predicted was going to have a big year, so we can, you know, tap ourselves on the back there, is going to the Home Run Derby. He has 25 home runs this year. Hit a, what, like a 450-footer on Tuesday night. He's probably going to breeze by, or at least he should, but we never know in the home run derby. Uh, breeze by his first-round competitor. In, uh, who's Adley Rutschman. Oh, yeah. Adley, yeah. Who so, has the fewest yeah. home runs out of any derby participant. 11, right? Yep. So, yeah. So, you know, at least Robert should have maybe – maybe he gets a deep run in there. Maybe he'll match Todd Frazier, Sox legend, get to the finals. <laughs> Um, but Mitch, as a Sox fan, and Luis Robert being one of the few guys that you could actually enjoy watching this year, I did see, and it always comes up when uh, one of your guys goes to the home run derby. They always bring up, "Man, don't do it. He's, it's going to ruin his swing." All right, what side of that argument do you fall on? Do you think it does? Does it matter? Uh, I, I used to buy into it does. And I also, cause you'd see like a dip in guys numbers right afterwards, because it would take like, it takes a lot out of it. Like people don't realize it's just like, even though it's just batting practice, how hard it is to try and hit bombs every time. So I think there might be something to it, but I'm not necessarily worried. I mean, I think he's young enough where it'll be fine. He takes big swings and regular, his regular bats anyway. So I don't think it's going to be that, much of an adjustment for him. It's not like he has a great plate approach as it is. So it's going to be the same thing. Just go up there hacking. So I'm excited. I think it's one of the few, he's one of the few good storylines the White Sox have going for him. And it's nice that the national stage, because so Tani, let's be honest, is stealing a lot of spotlight. He would be getting MVP votes if it wasn't for Shohei in the same league. So now everyone else uh, in baseball, because the White Sox sucks and national media is not going to be talking about it rightfully. So we'll get to appreciate how good he has been this year. So hopefully he puts on a good show. Yep. Kevin, I mean, we've seen a whole bunch of Cubs through the years go to the home run derby. I think the last one was Kyle Schwarber uh, back before he was let go by the Cubs. Before that, I mean, your guy KB and Anthony Rizzo were in it on the same year. Javier Baez. Well, what are your thoughts on the whole home run derby messes up player swings? Did it for uh, KB? Do you remember? Do you uh, recall? I'm actually less concerned with it messing up their swings and more concerned about each of these players that have their dad throw batting practice, throw the home run derby. I don't know how many of these dads almost died uh, as a result of the exhaustion, especially with the new format. But I know Mike Bryant almost like literally, I'm pretty sure he thought he was uh, seeing and hearing the angels calling him to heaven uh, in the last like minute and a half of that home run derby. It's, it's pretty, it's not just the players. You got to have good, you know, it's not just about who swings. It's about who throws too. And, you know, I think that 
yeah, home run derby. And these guys do this shit every day for batting practice. Um, you know, they go out there and they swing and, and it's not going to, it's, it's not going to have that detrimental effect. I, I don't buy that. I think people that are concerned about that are like the same people that say you shouldn't golf as a baseball player during the season, which is just, we've pr- disproven <laughs> that it's bunk. Go, go play. It's your swing and you're, you're a pro athlete, you know, your body, but it's still fun to like wonder though, if, if the guy throwing will keel over and fall. Now this might be the first year that someone actually collapses. If we get, if we get someone that tries to be, you know, gung ho Joe and, and go out there and throw at all rhymed. That was kind of funny. Um, I'm a poet and didn't know it, but that would be a, that's what I'm more concerned with. But I think the swing thing is just a, it's an urban myth to be, to, in my, in my opinion, because I've, yeah. doesn't. you know, you know what I really hope happens this home run derby is mm-hmm. like, remember when Vlad was there for the first time and like everyone kind of knew he was good, but like he didn't really burst onto the national scene until he put on that show in the home run derby. And I think it's the same thing with Luis Robert. Like people know he's good. I really hope he can like take that next step to superstar because he's got the talent to be there. He's just got to do it on a national stage and the White Sox don't have many opportunities. So this is his opportunity to really, you know, put his name on the map and take that next step to superstardom. You could say that this could be one of those things. This, I mean, it could, it, it could play out this way. You see this all the time. A guy like Luis Robert goes, does the home run derby, kicks ass, maybe wins it, comes real popular and then goes out in the game and has a nice game. You know, gets a couple hits, maybe, maybe hits a, you know, gets a big knock, and all of a sudden, people are like, "Who's this guy?" And all of a sudden, instead of just being the South Side, you know, unfortunately, he's kind of a still of a South Side secret. I mean, shit, half, you know, some of the White Sox fans still don't buy into it. I mean, we were seeing some of those posts <laughs> pulled up from April. I mean, April it was trade him for goodness sakes. So, like, you know, it, it's it'll be nice to get, you know, maybe he's got an opportunity here to really build a brand. I mean, and his is a different brand than Tim Anderson. You know, and it, Tim Anderson is more of a brooding brand. And Luis Robert is more of a smile, rhythm, kind of have a good time kind of guy. So, like, it's a it's a very different brand to, to share. Uh, and it's a good opportunity for the White Sox to kind of at least have something to get, you know, excited about. I don't, it, oh, go ahead, Mitch. I was going to say, I don't see Luis Robert smile all that much. He's just more of a quiet type from what yeah, I, I said. Like, I don't really sign. He was Tuesday's home run. He was feeling himself. He was, yeah, he was smiling. He, he's, that. like, looking at the bat. Yeah, that was <laughs> – it's just I was going to ask you guys because he's angry. angry all the time. That's why Tim, Tim's thing is he's angry, and I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to punch you in the throat to tell you how good I am. You know, when he hits a home run, it's personal. And I don't think Luis Robert he doesn't play with that that chip on his shoulder. It's a different chip, which is good. I, I like I like either way they work. But uh, maybe I'll impress some Instagram bitches type vibe. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think yeah, Ta is trying to see. Ta is trying to uh, find a new side. Uh, ladies, uh, maybe. I guess um, that's true. So now, well, no, no, no. He, him, and his wife are—they're they're working on it. They're—they're they're back. It's a good turn. You know what, right Mitch? There. You're right. Yeah. You know what? That was a low blow. I'll take it back. Because for... Robert's got the pink gloves. I'll take it back for his triple that he had. Cringy on dance videos. Like he's yeah. definitely the type of guy that's like, you know, he—he's the type of guy that would thirst trap after all. Oh, Louis Robert is going to be thirst trapping like no other during <laughs> yeah. All Star Week. I, oh. I dare him. I dare him to go up to the plate before his first at bat with a Domino's pizza in his hand, and take a slice, take a bite, and then go up and then. I think that's the. I think we've learned that's the key to uh, high prospect teenage. success. Be, be, become addicted to like chain pizza. Yeah, I mean that's what helped the teenage mutant ninja turtles. I mean, <laughs> God, Michelangelo wouldn't be who he is without you know pepperoni pizza, dude. I did want to ask you guys because the announcement kind of surprised White Sox fans because a week ago uh, he was asked about participating in the home run derby and he's like, uh, "I'm not really interested in it. I don't view myself as like just a, a home run hitter." Like that was his like his first quote about it, and then he announces it on Wednesday. What? Who got in his ear and be like, "Hey, Luis, go do the derby." 
he hit a 450 foot bomb and all of a sudden he's like, hey, I think I can win this. He <laughs> felt the crowd. He was like, the oh. winning prize is a million dollars. Yeah. That's that's still a good check and change. <laughs> I know these guys are making Florida millions and millions of dollars. Gotta, but... Well, I mean, he spent half his contract on that big yeah. ass house down in Florida. So he's got to make some money back. <laughs> Uh, I think the other participants are who do we got? Yeah, Mookie, Mookie Vlad, uh, Alonzo. Yeah, the uh, Luis Robert. I mean, isn't a Rosarena in it? Oh, Rosarena. Uh, Ellie Rushman was, I think, the last guy or one of the last few guys to. It's commit. a good lineup this year. There's a mix of some established stars, some like young guys like Rushman, like Rosarena. Everyone knows how good he is, especially the World Baseball Clan. Like this is one of the more exciting lineups they've had for a home run derby in a while because like every year you always get like a couple guys that are just throwing in there you're like eh. yeah really and you said like, but like, Rushman, right? yeah yeah he's the worst Rush- one on the Rodriguez. list and, like, and Rutschman's a stud like i'm excited to see Rutschman, and he's considered like you know the lowest seed right now and i mean i mean j-rod hometown guy and he's a yep. young star that always gets to have young guys in there and i think once they change the format to what it's been now with like with the four minutes and then just swing as much, get a little cheating in there involved, get the controversy. <laughs> a little salty about the Schwarber thing. It's oh, that was I'm still I still want to review on whatever happened with that. I was so mad. I was in I want to know how much Albert Pujols and or MLB paid off Kyle Schwarber to uh to lose that matchup. Because that there's no way that should have happened. Oh, I'm still. I'm talking about the one where he they cut him off. Oh, and, oh, against Bryce, Harper. Against Harper. And they gave Bryce yeah, Harper. Yeah, he got screwed. Two, yeah, two pitches after the buzzer to give him the win. Like he was down. It should have been Schwarber win. But I was. I remember. I was mad. I was in a. How much shit do you think Schwarber gives to Harper every day in that clubhouse about it, or like this week uh, that's coming up? <laughs> yep, points it out. He's like, I fucking beat you, jackass. People's champ, Schwarbino. Uh, so Luis Robert named also named to the All Star team uh, representing the Sox. He's the only one, right, so far. Yeah. I mean, hey, hey, I mean, Lucas Giolito could make it on, maybe. He could, but, you know, good teams get two All-Stars. <laughs> we had 10 more wins, maybe. <laughs> so, Lee's Robert, All-Star season for him. Uh, finally staying healthy, I think, heading into Wednesday. It was He's played in 84 of 87 games. He's never played in 100 games in a season. We know the talent is there. But he's finally staying healthy this year. Well, and again, he got that kick in the ass at the end of April. Not only the kick in the ass, like he said before this offseason, he's like, if you look at my numbers, they're good, not great. I just got to play a full season and people will see what I can do. And then he also said, too, which I thought was interesting, um, that like usually he would just go to the gym and work out and then occasionally hit in the cage. He didn't do much fielding. This was the first offseason that he consistently – was on the baseball field every week. And I think it shows with the defense, too. He took a step back defensively in the past couple of years and really yeah. stepped back up. He looks a lot healthier. And I think that's probably partly wise because he's doing more baseball activities and not just, you know, lifting over the offseason, which is great and all, but, you know, tend to get tighter. It's good that he's working on the athleticism. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's. Uh, I know some fans will probably take that the wrong way and be like, wow, guy wasn't doing anything in years before. But I mean, as is most things in life, like as you're mature, as you get older, as you get better at your craft. And again, he was dealing with a whole bunch of injuries. Who knows if those things went into the off season right. and years prior, but you know, it's good. I take it as a great sign. He's maturing, getting better, trying to get better, developing even 
as he's entering what like his fourth, fifth year in the major leagues. Um, for the going Cubs, back to maturity. Oh, sorry. Oh, go, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. But like one last point with Robert too. I mean, Pedro Grafal even said like it took a while for the buy-in, and everyone was like, "What?" And he's like, "It be quite frankly, it took a while for the buy-in." Like even with everyone, this. But once he did, all of a sudden you're seeing the results. So yep. that goes with the maturity, like you were saying. That's. I mean, that's where you've seen it's been really since the benching that you've seen yeah. this Luis Robert. That is light switch flipped. It's a good thing. Uh, unfortunately, he's been really one of the only guys to flip the switch there. I mean, we've seen the oh. the streaks from Eloy. Eloy, I like, think the past like week, ever since the Angel series. He's been hitting line drives almost every at bat, but it's just not enough. I the Sox, I I know we've been talking about it since like May when even when they got hot during May, and I think they had a winning record in June or something or close to it. It's like barely above five hundred, but if they're just if they just keep hanging around five hundred since April, that big hole that they created for themselves, they're still there. They're they're thirty seven fifty. They're seven games back. If the Twins win Wednesday night, they'll be seven and a half games back. All-star games in less than a week. After that, three weeks until the trade deadline. We saw the Rick Hahn press conference. We saw that video going around on, what was it, Tuesday uh, before they started the the Blue Jays series. I know that everyone always says Rick Hahn just, like, vomits uh, word salad, but there's always little hints of, somewhat of a quote-unquote plan they have and that sounded like a gm who's ready to sell <laughs> that, that was that was a guy who's doesn't believe that the team is going to get hot and is looking towards trying to get trying to cash in on anyone good that other teams want kevin yeah. mitch like do you guys still believe in the socks i like this team, man. Well, Kevin, can, can you go first? I'll save my story for a second. <laughs> like Kevin, from the outside perspective, like you know, you you were you've been in on them. You've been on the higher side of uh, positivity over the years, but man, it's been rough. It's not over. Our teams can get hot, and because of how bad everything is, a seven game you know deficit at the All Star break is not the end of the world. We've seen teams like the Phillies and the Braves in recent years turn that light switch on and finish strong and, and be successful and contend and even win a championship after a lackluster start. I mean, the problem is this has been like a year and a half of lackluster. Um, but at the same time, and I, you know, we talked about this in our DMS, the white Sox play bad baseball. Like they do actually play bad. Ba- like I, I've been trying to be so optimistic and, and trying to, they find new ways to show you how not to play the game, getting back picked in a situation where you're not going anywhere. Uh, you know, getting punched out of third to make, you know, in a situation where you, sh- you know, breaking on first movement when, you know, with less than two outs and a guy on third, just, you know, getting doubled up, just things that shouldn't happen keep happening. And, you know, I don't think you can like completely lay the onus on this current coaching staff because I really do think that it comes with, you know, if these are a lot of homegrown guys, this is the development that the White Sox farm system is basically instilled to their guys, their program franchise guys. So this is a franchise problem. And, you know, honestly, the fundamental stuff is, is that's the one thing you can control, right? Like you can, you, you can't control bad hops. You can't control how fast you run, you know, or how hard you throw, but you can control at least knowing how many outs there are in an inning. 
you can control yourself knowing the situation as an outfielder playing one base ahead. You know these types of things. That's something you can control that's in your hands. You can't control the other stuff. And, you, can, you know, they always say control what you have control over. Well, in this case, unfortunately, these a lot of these guys don't know the game. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think the White Sox are out of it because you know what happens is a team that all of a sudden gets hot and swings the bat completely masks bad fundamentals because they start mashing and things. It, it masks a lot of stuff because, you know, you're winning by four, five, six runs and the stupid mistakes you're laughing at going, oh, <laughs> that was Eloy being Eloy instead of going, you know, in a one-run game, you know, burning a runner that could have been, you know, the difference in a win or loss. And so until the Sox get there, though, right now, I mean, they're not dead in the water, but they are they play bad baseball. And, and until that stops, they're going to lose a lot of close games. They're going to lose to bad teams like the Oakland A's, they, to teams they should never lose to. And that's what happens when you – don't know how to take those extra bags and don't, you know, get, you know, tack on a run when you got to tack on a run, you know, it's, you know, knowing when to bunt, there was a bunt. Who was the, the other day that bunted? Was that the Cubs? Maybe it was the Cubs, wasn't it? No, was it the White Sox? Didn't somebody lay down a bunt they shouldn't have. And then they ended up hitting the double or, uh, I, I think that's, I think that's the Cubs going to your brain. Well, yeah, it's probably, <laughs> or, maybe, or no, uh, or who do you think? Or just like Zach Remillard at that. Yeah. I think it was that. <laughs> or the play the, the Remillard. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, they're not dead in the water. Again, because it's so bad that a light switch, hot streak, you've seen it with the Phillies right now. Phillies on a 20-game heater, man. They're, they, they're like, what, 17 and, like, three in their last 20. A hot streak like that, and you run away from run away with the division. They'll pass the Twins if they can. I mean, you can't, can't expect to go, like, 17 and 20. But, you know, you win two out of three for a month and a half, and you're in first place in that division, period. And that, that, that baseball is not out of their reach if they can keep this part. Because the biggest muscle that's their problem is the one between their ears. I it's funny. I feel like we sound like a broken record like every week. Like the, the division stinks obviously is still there and like they have talent on the roster, but they've shown no ability to make a run. And like this week it was especially funny. I know we were talking about Tuesday's game. <laughs> so um I'll be honest, I'm having a great week. I mean the internet thing, I'm on my phone right now. So you see like my finger going like that so I can like read the comments. So like the internet like has been like shit. And it's kind of just one of those things like nothing's going away. So like Sunday, just to back up to build up to what happened Tuesday. So uh this weekend came to Chicago for like the NASCAR race. And I love coming home. Like I the Chicago, my opinion, greatest city in the world, especially in the summertime. Excited to go see this race or whatever. Well, then Saturday it rains. They cancel like one of the concerts. One race gets cut short. Sunday, it's like a monsoon. It's like, I think they set a record in the city for rain. So like cancel everything that. So that put a damper on things. Then I go home and like, you know, dog I've had for a while. He's he's on his last leg. They're like, yeah, you know, we got to probably put him down soon. So I'm like, oh, you got to be shitting me. So that's not going well. Then I had a, uh, you know, relationship of two plus years that came to an abrupt end of this week. So I'm like, boy, things are going to shit. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to distract myself by watching White Sox baseball. That's what I love to do. I love watching the White Sox. Well, that's the first mistake. You never make yourself feel better by watching the White Sox. So Tuesday's game comes on and Robert hits this like majestic bomb, right? He's rounding the bases. They have all those fireworks going because it's the 4th of July. I have like Ray Charles in my head, like America the Beautiful. I'm like, yeah, this is great. America's awesome. Then the eighth inning comes. And like what Kev was talking about, that avalanche of just like bad baseball. And you're just like, fuck, man. Like, sucks can't catch up. This team is terrible. Um, yeah, it didn't help with the distraction. Like, they, they're just bad. It's like they find new ways to lose. It's not even just they lose. Like, the way they find ways to lose. Like, blowing games in the ninth inning. It's like agonized. You can't. You ever try to make yourself feel better? White Sox not the way to do it. <laughs> that seems terrible. 
number one, everyone watching, everyone on the podcast right now, uh, send your best and warmest, warmest thoughts to Mitch. What a shitty week. It was a very shitty week. Um, get, uh, let, let's at least get, get some likes on this video on YouTube. <laughs> Subscribe to the channel, guys. Follow Mitch on Twitter. Send him all your love because this boy needs it. I didn't mean to bring the podcast down. But that's oh, why yeah, I'm not very active on Twitter. Like that's just like that's why like yesterday's game was like you got to be fucking kidding me. So doesn't even get to talk about a flooded basement anymore. His flooded basement is just small chat. Nothing, no problem. It's just a little bit of water. Zo can uh, fix it's, that oh, basement. Shit. Fuck, man. Well, uh, let me take a drink for you, Mitch. Um, yeah. Some espresso. Um, um. Well, I guess move, move to uh, more positive news. I guess the Cubs have three All Stars. There you um, go. <laughs> Dansby Swanson, second year in a row. Marcus Stroman gets his second all-star appearance. And then Justin Steele, the, I think, Theo Epstein finally did it, folks. Uh, Cubs finally got a homegrown pitcher uh, to the all-star game, Justin Steele, who should, who should be the starter, because I think he does still lead the National League in ERA. Uh, I think so far on Wednesday night, he's given up one run through five innings. His ERA is now down to 2.39. Give that man the all-star starting nod for the National League in Seattle. I see uh, Patrick the, Wisdom votes didn't really help at yeah, all. Yeah, the Patrick Wisdom votes, uh, he went right on the IL like if, like a week later, I think. Uh, so we, did we the pin, the good old pinwheels and ivy bump there. We for, tried. Uh, it was, Pat, it was Fitz. It was, it was all the negative energy. Towards it Patrick was. It, I do blame uh, everything that's bad that has happened to Patrick Wisdom on Kevin. <laughs> I mean, he was absolutely right about the, the whole <laughs> thing, but, you know, yeah, still blaming him. <clears throat> right, we'll still blame you, though, Kevin. Mm-hmm. You brought all that bad juju to, uh, to Patrick Wisdom. Yeah, Justin Roman thinks it's my fault that Patrick Wisdom struggled. Oh yeah, yeah, he's right. Justin's right. Because I hate Justin. him. He's he's not I'm like, no, it's, I don't hate him. He's just, he just, how, he just how Mike Clevenger had the witch cursing him. You, you were the one <laughs> cursing Patrick Wisdom. Should have seen the dance I did though. <laughs> I had sticks and everything. So oh, the wait, Cubs, what? I think, because uh, last week we did our playback, so we didn't do uh, a regular oh. podcast. We had our playback for the Angels White Sox game. But I was looking back at the the title for our previous podcast, and it was we were believing in the Cubs again. Uh, they had won 11 of 13. They were within a game or two of being back at 500. And then they lost 7 of 8, which included some brutal, heartbreaking losses against Cleveland uh, at Wrigley Field. And then they blew a 6 nothing lead on Monday afternoon in Milwaukee against the first-place Milwaukee Brewers. Big series. I think the Cubs entered that series uh, six games back. You feel good. They're up six nothing in the second inning. Drew Smiley starting to regress. Hate that. <laughs> Not good. Tough. Uh, there goes his trade value. Uh, if anyone needed a left-handed veteran starting pitcher, but Cubs blow it in just a horrific, horrific way. David Ross pushing all the wrong buttons. Um, I've been a not a supporter, really like a big time defender, more more of a. Um, Let's wait and see with David Ross. And man, uh, the seeing has been terrible. Uh, <laughs> this There's been so many bad decisions. And again, that also goes to the front office, the roster construction, the build, the relievers that were brought in, uh, the big free agent starting pitcher for the Cubs, Jameson Tyon. 
terrible. I think he's up there with Lance Lynn as one of the worst starting pitchers in baseball. I think Lance Lynn's been better than him this year. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> which pitchers have been worse? It's for the Sox fans listening. You know how bad Lance Lynn has been. You know the worst? worst? Who is the worst? Adam Wainwright. That, that's right. Adam Wainwright. That's the true. Cardinals he should have let, he totally he blew quit. that. He could have retired as a trio. He's it. coming back to get shelled. It's terrible. Oh, I hate to see it. Blaming his catcher. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's Can we just spell the, the myth that the catchers guy. make great managers, though? Because, like, that's like the old cliche, like, oh, they, the catcher, like, he's going to be a great manager. They know all the strategy. I mean, is it really? Pan- I mean, look at David Roll. Yeah, I mean, I mean, is he really some strategy wizard? I would say that he's more of an outlier. I mean, if you look through the coaching annals uh, with two ends, please, uh, you'll find that that there are a lot of catchers that have been successful. So, look at the uh, coaching annals. As much as I don't like him, Joe Girardi's got a World Series ring, even though all he did is really roll the ball out there. But you've got a lot of catchers. I mean, but at the same time, it's not automatic. I mean, David Ross was a journeyman kind of. 190 hitting catcher that was well received because John Lester loved throwing to him. But to be honest, if John Lester doesn't exist, neither does David Ross. That's like Paul Bacco back in the day for Greg Maddox. Um, you know, those guys have their guys come hell or high water. It, you know, it extends their career and they're, they're buddy buddies. But man, I, I, David Ross has done, he's pushed, he's so bad at pushing buttons. Hey, he pushed the wrong button. That, like, every time. It's, I would not want him in two every places. Time, David Ross is not anywhere near the nuclear codes. He's not allowed near those because he can't push the right button. And he's not allowed on a space shuttle because that'll be a Challenger-esque tragedy because he literally... I think he was handling the remote for the, uh, for the sub, for the Titanic thing. Oh, God. He probably <laughs> was. He's, hey, check out this PlayStation controller. This is pretty sweet. His um, post-game interviews, though, have become much that was a, okay. I do love angry David Ross. I am not... Guy. I know in Chicago, going back to the 85 Bears with Ditka and all the fiery-ass coaches, we we like, we sometimes, and it always goes back and forth, you know, during the Bears days with Lovey Smith, the fans would be like, we need more fire and passion, and whatever. Lovey Coach was a pretty successful coach when you look back with the Bears, and he wasn't that rah-rah guy. And now for baseball, I loved when Joe Madden was the Cubs because he was, he, he would sometimes show it on the field, but he was never that, like, screaming, angry guy. And that was his philosophy going back since he's ever started coaching like 30 years ago. Loved it. It worked for him for the most part uh, during, uh, during his career, David Ross, you know, there's at, again, at times he balances. Uh, it's not like he's out there getting thrown out, uh, you know, a record amount of times. Uh, and it's not, but he's not like the most laid back guy either, but there are times this year where you're like, Hey man, show something. Show me, show me some, show me the the hardo stuff. Show me the meatball, uh, emotional press conference. Go out there, get thrown out. And I do have to say, it might sound meatball-y of me, but I liked it. I like the the post game uh, rant that he had, calling it the the umpires were terrible, the yeah, Brewers yeah. were doing stuff with the roof, closing it randomly, uh, and he went off on. I like. I'm with thing- you. That's kind of a kick in the ass sometimes these players need because, like, you know he's probably getting fined from the MLB for saying something. It's a good wake. It's it, like we were talking about with Robert earlier. It's a good wake-up call. Sometimes you like to see your manager sticking up for you like that, especially if he's been pushing some of the wrong buttons lately. So I, I will give that uh, even, you know, I'm not as Cubs guy, but I agree. I don't even think it was that, like, meatball. It's like I, 
I liked it. I think you know it's good so, to see. Sometimes some you need that that little fire and passion, the, especially <laughs> the dog days of summer right now. That yeah, yeah well, it's hot and pissy. And this thing is though, this is just a weird flex about or weird strange thing about Chicago sports fans in general, right? You want these guys that have come unhinged, right? I love it. It's passion. Well, guess what? If they're that unhinged in front of the camera, imagine what the fuck, how unhinged they are in that clubhouse. You don't want that guy. Now, the demonstrative right, stuff, the performative stuff, the performative stuff, someone that's like, hey, I, I, I got to get run here. Th- this happens so frequently. Coach is like, I'm going to get run next inning. He already makes preparations. He knows he's going out. I need to shake some sense. I'm I, Maybe this will get something going. These are guys that are actually not in their feels at all. They're controlled. They're, it's a controlled, performative act of getting run to show your players, I got your back. Now, it's the ones that, you know, that, oh, shit, Adonis hit that. Oh, ow, that's gone. Um, crap. But uh, you, you get these guys, they get out there, and, and you want them to show like that. Like I said, Justin Steele, deserving all-star starter, and then gives them home. <laughs> Pin was bumpy. But, but when, when, you, when you have a guy like David Ross, David Ross's MO is he's going to shove you up against the wall in the clubhouse. He ain't going to do it in front of you, like in front of the, where, where the camera can see it. He's not going to do it in front of the fans. He keeps that. When he lays into somebody, he's usually going to lay into somebody privately, which is how you should do it. You shouldn't be yelling across the field to a guy at first base. A guy misses that, you know, screws up, forgets how many outs there are when they come in. You don't eat their lunch in the dugout in front of you and say, hey, all right, grab a seat, bud. And then you just go back to work. When it's over and you have time to process, and it's just like when, you know, if you're someone that spanks your kids, if you're someone that believes in that, you don't just spank your kids, right? You go send them to their room. You cool down for an hour till you get your feels and you're out of that and you're more logic-based and you can actually explain the discipline to them. And it's the same kind of concept with these guys, the guys that just come unhinged. You don't want that. And I don't know. I, I'm not sure Griffal is that. I know that Rossi, his problem is sometimes he's, he's a day late and a dollar short to the party. Um, you know, the move that he should have made, he's playing candy lane out here when people are playing at least checkers, if not chess. And so he's, he's a day late on some of his moves. He, you know, leaves a guy in one, one moment at bat too long. You know, the mistake we saw the other day where he burns the DH in the fifth inning because he has no idea that his first baseman can actually play third and play third a, a half of the season pretty much at AAA last year. Instead, he burns the DH and brings in the DH to play third instead of just moving a guy, you know, moving young from first to third and then putting Mancini out at, at first and you don't have to burn your DH in a game that ended up being tied late, right? So, um, you know, and they ended up, ended up losing that game. Did they not? 8-6? Am I going crazy? But yes, the they had a six nothing lead, and Smiley was done after three and two thirds. Bullpen, Mark Leiter Jr. Uh, no, well, that was the, that, that was the big move that everybody was like, "What the hell are you doing?" He brought in Anthony K because there was going to be Jesse Winker was up to bat, a left-handed hitter. Craig Council pinch hit for him, a right-handed hitter. So the Cubs had a lefty versus righty. First pitch, bases clearing, three-run triple, tied the game. His decision there was so bad that it actually masked accidentally yeah. burning the DH in the yeah, fifth that inning. Yeah, that, that was the big story that day, yeah. <laughs> he, like, actually had double – it was like a, it was a Rossi-Lossi. That's a, really what it is. When, when it's a Rossi-Lossi, you know – I mean, the Cubs have had probably 10 to 12 games this year that should have been a Cubs win, and he managed himself out of it. And they say if manager doesn't really, like, equate to, like, two, three wins, maybe tops, wins or losses a season, I really feel like thus far this season he's at that – minus or that plus excuse me right now where it's not great but who knows you know you don't fire a guy midseason that's my thing is i don't like firing coaches midseason so you, you let them do the whole body of work at the season when the season's over you can look back dave this is the whole body of work now there's no question marks you didn't get you were given the chance to finish strong and make your last last argument you didn't 
best of luck to you. We move on. Or holy shit, he does something. He, he kicks a tire and things fall into place. But I just, I'm not a big fan of like in season firings. Um, unless well, there's a clubhouse issue where like there's a, a mutiny. Uh, and, and then of course you have to make a change, but I just, I'm not a big fan of it just cause I figure he's put in the time, let him finish his work. It's about 162 games, not 81. And I, I think it kind of depends on the situation though with the Cubs. Absolutely. Because like we've said, like I've said, they weren't expected to contend this year. Like you knew it wasn't a contention team. Like sure. They could surprise some people win them some games and they're certainly within that division. But, you know, this is not like a World Series caliber roster. So, yeah, you'd let them finish the year. But I do think, like, you look at the Phillies last year, and I think the White Sox had benefited from it too, a manager change. If you have a team that you think is ready to win and you think the manager is costing you games midseason, then I have no problem with a managerial change. Is it the manager? Because they did the same thing this year with the same manager, and now all of a sudden they're on a hot streak again with the same manager. So they started like crap again. And then they just maybe they're just a finisher. It maybe it had nothing to do with full firing. It kind of depends on the situation. Like, oh, it's like Pedro Gafrol, for example. Like, say the white, like, because it's his first year, then, like, yeah, you let him finish the full body work. But I think there are certain situations where, like, yeah, you need to change midway through the year. You see it's not working. You want to shake things up. You think you got to, you think you're in your window. You got to try and capitalize it. So I don't have an issue with that. But my question I was going to pose before, before that, you're talking about managers who, you know, toxic, if they're yelling on the field, they're probably toxic behind the scenes. Who's the manager that comes to mind? The first one that came to mind in my head was Lou Pinella. But I'm curious I, if you had any examples. Literally, that like, that's the first name that popped into my head. <laughs> Kevin? I'm, uh, trying, I'm trying to think of other guys. Uh, hmm. I mean, what's his name from, uh, with the Phillies, Boa? What's his, what was his name? Um, Larry Boa? Larry Boa, maybe? Phillies? I mean... You could think of, you know, think of the Marlins. The Marlins did it in what in two thousand three, didn't they? Fire and bring in John Jim. They bring Jim Leland back from like, they actually did like some sort of like evil dead. Yeah, but Mitch, Mitch was evil saying dead, like uh, to raise him from the dead, and then no, no but yeah. Mitch was asking guys who were like over the top, like over the top uh, on the, the field, field, like yelling and like, oh, like Luke Miller happens. Are you, yeah, yes, yeah, so that was the first thing that came to mind yeah. for me too. But I was curious if there's any other guys that. Oh yeah, I mean Bobby Cox was that way. Bobby Cox was a f- he, he he leads like he he like yeah, I think he's like the leader. Uh, yeah, okay, he was. Yeah. A- <laughs> Is he really that toxic in the clubhouse though? Because he was successful. He's a whole. Oh, you know who was toxic in the clubhouse? Joe Girardi. That's who's toxic in the clubhouse. That's whose players didn't want to go out there and play for him, and they. Made it pretty clear. He's Joe, Joe Girardi considered a big yelling guy on the field, though. He no, he's a big yelling guy in private, and he's a guy that punishes rookies. Oh, he was the inverse. He was the inverse. Where... He'd send, he would send a guy with options down and point to a guy that wasn't being sent to going, if, it's, if you don't get your shit together, you're going to be this guy. The guy that was performing, he sent down to send a message to the guy not performing. Like, he's an absolute... The stories that I mean, well, there was also there was also there was also something happened. I forget what the story was when he was in Florida, and what the funny thing about that is, I think it was '06. I think it was his first year managing there. I think he won Manager of the Year because the Marlins were shit, but he got him to like close to 500, and everybody was like, "Oh, what a great manager job!" But he got fired. There was like some tiff between him and the front office. I forget the exact details, but yeah, Joe Girardi has always been somewhere of a hard ass behind the scenes on the field. Like not, maybe not uh, with his actions, but there's always been stuff with Joe Girardi. It's funny when I was in fourth grade, my art teacher at the time, it was Yankees Phillies in the world series. I believe that year she's going around like asking the class, like who they were rooting for. 
And like at the end, she's like, yeah, like I'm rooting for like the Yankees because like my uh, high school like classmate was Joe Girardi. And everyone was like, wait, what? So like he was good friends with Joe Girardi. So I always liked it just because then I was like, oh yeah, Chicago guy, my art teacher, you know? And then like you said, Fids, like the older I got, you kind of realize like this guy was kind of an asshole. Wow. Uh, so, so Aloha, Mr. Hand has some stories too. If you ever get a chance to sit down and have him tell you his Joe Girardi stories, he actually has a, a distaste for the entire Girardi family. Girardi family actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's some Evanston stories there, but. Yeah, it's but when you it, look, these guys are different. You know, when you when you talk about players today too, and you want to talk about what kind of manager you really do want to have, you know, these guys are the, the players today are not. You know, you don't want a guy coming in trying to fit a square peg in a round hole, and you can't manage today like it's 1995. You can't manage in 1995 like it was 1965. Uh, it's a very different athlete today, and the athletes today they don't respond to yelling. They shut down emotionally. This is a whole, I mean, no offense. This is a generational thing. It's fine that you, you, you communicate with, uh, um, with other ways, you, you know, the good cop, bad cop really has to be good cop, kind of mean cop. Like you can't be bad cop anymore. The, 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 the coaches from days of confused no longer exist And Bobby Knight is a, is a, is a expired, uh, dinosaur. Now you can't coach like that. Um, and so with these guys, you need a guy that's willing to, play both. And when you get a guy like and David Ross is well liked. Yes. But David Ross is still, you know, I still think he's a great leader. I don't, his managerial skills are my problem. He's be a great bench coach, right? His it's, it's when he's in charge, yeah. then he has a problem. But you know, he's a guy that will tell you in private what you got to hear a good friend. You know, like they always say a good friend is someone that will tell you what you have to hear, need to hear, not what you want to hear. And that's where you get a good coach is a guy that's willing to say, look, I know kind of no offense, fuck your feelings for a second. You know, you're, you're lifting a little bit. You're not making adjustments. You're, you know, your head's not here. Um, you know, make these tweaks and, and it's not perfect. And, and sometimes these guys get caught up in it. It's, it's how you deliver the message and the guys that deliver the message the best in a manner with a diverse clubhouse of 27 guys or whatever. Um, those are the guys that have the staying power because they actually build loyalty. And, 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 you know, I've, I've gone through my ups and downs as a coach where, you know, I thought maybe it was the, I got to bash the cooler with a fungo to get someone's attention. And sometimes it's been like, I need to hug every single guy, you know, give guys hugs after practice kind of situations. It all depends on the, the 27. And that's the manager's job is to know each personality to the T you spend most of the season trying to figure out, especially maybe a little bit of the off season, trying to figure out what makes these guys tick and let them know who you are. And then you build the trust and Pedro is going to take it. It's going to take a year for Pedro to earn trust in the White Sox case. But with managers, you need a guy that's able to both pat you on the butt sometimes and kick you in the ass on the other, but doing it in a manner that keeps people from feeling embarrassed because embarrassment is a big thing. Now words hurt more than they ever have back in the day. It was, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Now words are like, like grenades at this point. So you've got to really walk that fine line. And I think sometimes when you get a coach like Girardi, who's trying to coach like his coach coached him, you can't, I can't coach like my high school coach. You know, I, you just can't, you can't pay that forward. You got to actually evolve the other way um, and communicate to the new generation. And that's what, you know, the good ones you're seeing do that in Philly. You're seeing a guy really communicate well with his players. You see that in Atlanta uh, got, you know, coaches that can communicate. I love Davey Martinez, but Davey Martinez has kind of lost the magic a little bit too right now with communication. And um, it just, it's just, that's what well, makes it sick. He's lost some talent. A few more uh, Cubs points before we get to some trade stuff. Uh, Nick Madrigal, hottest hitter on the Cubs, literally, ever since he came back up. Mm. June 9th. Nicky two strikes. Nicky two strikes was Nicky barreling it up again. Hit his first home run recently. He was hitting like 330. 
His on base percentage was like at 405. He was taking some walks, great hitting line drives again. No more of these like 70 mile per hour ground balls to shortstop. He was on fire. It's an art or hits a two run double uh, to tack onto the Cubs lead on Monday, feeling good. An inning later, feels something in his hamstring. He gets taken out next day, 10 day injured list, hamstring injuries, as we White Sox fans know. And I mean, Cubs fans too. Cubs been dealing with some hamstring injuries over the years. He's got more Cub games under his belt now, doesn't he? Than he did as a White Sox? No. Oh, yeah. Now he does. Um, yeah. But yeah, Nick Madrigal just—he's a cub. Not, he just right when you think, all right, it is Nicky T-Strike time. He pulls you back in. He had just gotten his WRC plus five points away from hundred. He was about to be—he was about to be league average. He was on fire. I mean, his his WRC plus was like at one forty for the past three weeks. He was—he was great. Mm-hmm. It was he reminding was, me a Modoc lot. Was, no, Modoc was pissed. It reminded me a lot, obviously, before he got hurt. But And these are two completely different players, just kind of the situation reminded me. But, like, when Kyle Schwarber got sent down to AAA for, like, two weeks and then came back up, looked like a whole new player. And I think it was kind of similar with – yeah, Ian has another – like, it, it was very similar with Nick Madrid. They sent him down for a couple of weeks, regain your confidence. They probably told him it wasn't going to be a permanent thing. Just, like, go down there, figure out your swing. Because he was raking down in Iowa, too. Yeah. A lot of times you see these guys get sent down and they pout. I think they told them, like, look, it's only going to be a couple week thing. Figure your shit out and then, you know, come help us later. And it did pay dividends. They, they, Nicky looked like his 2021 pre injury self. Mark of maturity again, taking that not as an insult, but as a developmental, you know, moment for him. And he went down and he didn't, you know, like you said, some guys get down there and they're just, they, they're pissed. They don't, they're, they're, they have no, their ego doesn't allow them to process. Things aren't right, and so they go down there and they're they're a malcontent. And guys that do take it and get to work, those are the guys you. I, I love to see that. That's that's a that's a that's a green flag for Nick Magical as a leader in the clubhouse because at least worst case scenario, you have a guy that does understand um, that sometimes you gotta just kind of eat crow and go work on something and 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 do it with purpose. And he did, and he came back with purpose. You know, Luis Robert, same thing. Like th- these are good things. It's the guys that go down there and cross their arms and pout and really are just kind of going through the motions to get back up and I'm healthy again or whatever. They come so back loved, the- loved Nick Madrigal's hot streak. Um, but again, still a low IQ guy, dumb, dumb baseball player. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> he just I is. He bunted cause he thought there was only one out, uh, during Cleveland. Uh, there was two outs and he just bunted to the first baseman inning over with two runners in scoring positions. That was, that was cool. Um, another Cubs note, Rookie prospect uh, reliever Daniel Palencia called up this week, uh, start of the year in the starting rotation at Double A, uh, and I've been, there, there's been talks that we kind of saw it since last year. It's like he was in the rotation, but it looked like he had like reliever stuff where he would he would get worn down after a few innings, kind of lose it. So he gets transitioned to a reliever's role back at the end of or the middle of May. He gets called up to Triple A, uh, like May twenty fifth. He has thirteen, fourteen appearances, uh, three really bad ones that really killed his ERA. But overall, you saw the the whiff numbers. He throws a hundred, hundred and one miles per hour. Has a slider. I think a changeup as well, maybe. Uh, he but he got the he got his first MLB win uh, pitching two scoreless innings 
uh, in that wild 7-6 extra inning game uh, on Tuesday on the 4th of July for the Cubs. Uh, fired up uh, Cubs dugout along with Miguel Amaya. Uh, Daniel Palencia, the Cubs are slowly doing it. Uh, I wish they would be more aggressive with a few other guys in terms of playing position, but they are mixing a few younger players into more prominent playing time. Jared Young was recently called up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Miles Mastroboni again goes back to AAA. Dude's been terrible. Uh, if I if I don't see Miles Mastroboni ever again, that'd be cool. There's some Mastro- players that have like a baseball name. And Miles Mastroboni. I thought I really twice. thought he was going to be good, man. or not good, but just like okay, where it would be fun, but he couldn't even get to that. <laughs> no, and his last name leaves leaves so many special playground yeah. names for him: Mastro Booty, Mastro Boner. Yeah, uh, so and many, and Mastro then just bad. bad. Yeah, yeah, Mastro, Mastro Bono. Like I mean, you got a lot. So, <laughs> uh, so Jared Young's been up. I mean, we obviously know about Morel being up. Palenta's up. Miguel Amaya's been up. Thursday. Um, who else? Well, he doesn't play much for some reason. David Ross doesn't like the start of Maya, but like, yeah, I think I do think because the Cubs again are even with the win oh, that they had on Tuesday, which is a great busy. win. Uh, they're still six games back. If they lose on Wednesday, they'll be back to set. Yeah, there's <laughs> really good one. Masturbation. That one's a <laughs> uh, they'll be oh. they'll probably gonna be seven games back here of the Brewers after Wednesday, and again, they're just. They're too streaky where their hole that they dug themselves at the end of April and May, just similar to the White Sox, where even if they play good ball, they're still just going to be a few games under 500. They're not really going to get back into it. And that brings us to the trade deadline where we keep saying for both teams, hey, you know, if they get hot in a month, month and a half, they can surge into first place. But that's not going to happen if a few other guys get traded away. Mm-hmm. You they, might trade, they, like, say, for example, the deadline for a player like Bryce Ball. Remember Bryce Ball? Bryce Ball, gone. Well, you can gone. trade for Jock Re- Peterson. Released right. yesterday. So. Uh, people, I know people have been shitting on that. Jock Peterson sucked when he was on the Cubs. The Cubs weren't going to get anything good for Jock Peterson. Jock Peterson was terrible when he was with the Cubs. No, um, my, the lasting Jock Peterson memory is when he like hit that fly ball that he thought was a walk-off <laughs> homer, and he's pimping it. It was a sack fly that didn't even reach the warning track. Hey, it drove it a run, Mitch. He got the jump. Yeah. <laughs> so I do remember. I think that that also would have been. I think I might have been a grand. Well, I think the bases were loaded, but yeah, I, that was that was pretty. That, was pretty brutal. <laughs> that wasn't even that like it got caught. Like it would have been bad, but like it like. Wasn't even. Yeah, there was a gust of wind, Mitch. Come on. The wind was blowing in like thirty. Heavy air. Yeah. Muggy. I mean, both teams have guys that they could trade and get fairly decent returns on. Um, I guess we can go semi-serious here at first, and then we'll we'll dive into Zoe's Twitter thread with some great replies that we got on Wednesday. But obviously, starting pitching, uh, teams are always going to look for it. And luckily for both teams, if they do end up trading these guys, the teams with the, like a big need in starting pitcher have really good farm systems. Yeah. We're talking about the Baltimore Orioles, Arizona Diamondbacks, the Dodgers, Rangers, um, even the Cincinnati Reds, who just keep winning. Yep. I, I, I think uh, Drew said it earlier in the comments. They're a young, fun team to watch. Hats off to them. I hate that they're doing it in the now Central, but I mean the Cubs right now don't really seem like they're gonna play a role in that in the race so hats off to the reds and the fans enjoying that 
the Reds have like a top five uh, farm system. Uh, obviously, the two big names for the Cubs and the White Sox, Marcus Stroman, who another story came out uh, back on July 1 from The Athletic, Ken Rosenthal, Patrick Mooney, basically once again confirming Cubs uh, aren't in talks with him at all for a contract extension. Uh, now, they keep trying to like middle middleman this and being like, well, they're going to wait to see how the team does the next three weeks. Maybe they'll re maybe they won't trade him and they'll revisit extension talks like later in the year. I think it's pretty obvious right now that if the Cubs continue to fall out and just stay where they are in the standings, that they're going to trade Marcus Stroman. Uh, he's going to opt out. You can't offer him the qualifying offer because he already got one with the Mets. Uh, so you can't just lose a guy when you're in a season that. Again, I don't at this point it doesn't really seem like you're going to be in a in a playoff race for the Cubs. For the White Sox, Lucas Giolito has been fantastic again this season. He has a three and a half ERA after his start on Tuesday. Another quality start, two runs, six innings. He's been fantastic. He's a free agent after 2023. Um, what do you guys think? Like, I I think both might get traded in the next three weeks. It's like for me, it's weird because like with Lucas especially, I really don't want to see him get traded. I because he's like one of the few guys. Because like you know, you're so excited when they got him in those initial trades because he's one of the main centerpieces in that hall, like number one pitching prospect in baseball. And when you look at the Chris Sale Adam Eaton trade, which really kickstarted the White Sox rebuild, all the players they got back from that initial core, he's really the only player that has panned out remotely to what the White Sox thought they were getting. Yep. So, like, that's very – and then, like, his story, obviously, like, really cool from going from one of the worst pitchers in baseball to coming back to becoming an all-star. Hey, he's, he's given some great uh, memories for the White Sox over the years. So, I, that personally, like, it would suck if we lost him. I know people don't like that he cleans up trash in the offseason instead of working yeah, on his uh, like, watch more but, film, Lucas. Yeah. Mm. Um, but, I mean, like, if you're the White Sox, I think it would have to be <laughs> smart. But my mind's saying, like, you almost have to do it. Because it's clear they're not winning anything with them. They're not going like you like you need Lucas to make the playoffs. They're not winning any games with them. They show no ability to go on a run. But for literally since the second half of 2021, they've been either a 500 team or well below, like we've seen this year. So it's not like they're going on a winning streak, which they need to do. You almost have to trade them. But like I don't know what you'd get back because he's on the last year of his deal. So it sucks all around, and it's not a good situation to be in if uh, you're the White Sox right there. But I think you do. You almost have to trade them for. I have a question for you, Mitch. Okay, so the Sox are obviously in a weird position where they have where they're supposed to have a team that's supposed to be contending, and because of that, you have guys who are locked up for. Uh, I mean, most of the most of the position players are locked up for a couple of years at least. Yeah. But most of those guys are underachieving, so it's going to be hard to like deal them off. Like Yohan Mankata, he's untradeable. You can't right deal him off. He's no, untradeable. He's he, underachieving, injured, and the contract is starting to get big. Um. You're not trading Luis Robert. He's your star. <laughs> Dylan's like, is Dylan sees on the on the no. fence there of a guy, or do you keep him no matter what? No, because if you go through like, it's actually a good analogy. As as gross as it was, like the Rick Hahn, like vomiting out, like you gotta pick through and find like the little useful nuggets of like what their plans are. And every time you listen to them, I think they still think with this players they have locked up that they're going to try and contend so i think a lot of it this year is selling off the one-year deals a lot of them like we heard reported earlier to try and build a better team 
for 2024. So I think Moncada, I almost wouldn't be surprised if they just moved him over to second next year because no one's taking him. Like, honestly, like that might be their solution because we know they don't like addressing second base. Uh, but <laughs> That's going to be the biggest. He's the Luis Robert of the pitching staff where like guys like Dylan and their talent level is as bad as he's been this year. Like they don't come around very often. I don't think they're trading him because they think they can contend next year and he would have to be a big part of their plans at the training and contending. So I think no shots. They, they trade Dylan sees. Yeah. I think he sticks too. Kevin for Stroman. I mean, what, what do you got? I think we, we, we've, we've touched on it briefly before, but look, we know how this front office operates, man. When they do this, when they start shutting up like this and they start doing, but in terms of, but just going forward, yeah. what, what do you think the Cubs could get for a stro who again is also like a top, top five, top three guy ERA in the national league this year and has been good since last summer. I, so there's, you know, obviously the, the one thing and I was, I was chatting with um, uh, earlier today on, on, on the, on the bird app with uh, Sean Colt Kroll. Um, we were talking about like, he sent some of his trade ideas too. And we we're just talking about like, it's very smart right now to target some of these, these organizations that are a successful that have needs and are ready for a stretch run that have a farm system with flexibility and to kind of target positions of strength that they have in their, on their major league franchise that are pretty locked up. It's kind of like when you're a recruit for you know, a high school kid and you're trying to figure out what program you want to really like sell yourself to, you look to see who, how many juniors and seniors are on the roster. You don't look at the freshman and sophomore. You look at the juniors. How many of these people are going to time out by the time it's time for me? And with the, with the Cubs you know, or with anybody looking for, you know, when you've got these pitching, a guy like Stroh, you look at like the Rangers, you look at organizations, like you said earlier, like the Orioles. Um, you look at some of these franchises that have these quality young talents that need parts for their pro team are willing to sacrifice for the here and now. Um, I've, I've actually, I wrote it down. I, um, there's a couple of guys from, from, um, cause the Cubs are, the Cubs need a third baseman. Um, that needs to be a point of focus for the Cubs, an offensive, uh, performing defensive savvy third baseman. Okay. Cause we could put, Chris Morrell over there and he could get his negative four OAA and ruin how many games uh, over there. Or you can get a guy that does both. Right. And, and allow him to do whatever he's got to do. But um, they've got a couple guys. They've got a guy named uh, Cobb Mayo. Um, he's a third base prospect. He's a big guy. He's a guy that's starting to excel a little bit. He's uh, he's, he's starting to perform. Um, I think he's like 22. I want to say, and then they got another guy, Jordan Westberg, who's actually a shortstop, I believe, but is starting to kind of seemingly project as like maybe a third baseman. Again, two big guys which are great for third base because they can body up some baseballs. And they're both power guys um, who have shown the ability to, to, to play the position too. They get good defensive uh, um, accolades as well. They're not just swinging guys that are playing third. They're guys that play a good third base or a good defense on the left side. And those are the kind of things that you're kind of looking for. Um, there's guys for the, the the Giants too. I mean, Stroman, again, it's going to be like Stroman. It might be a Stroman and a Gomes. You know, it must be like, like what they did with you, Darvish, where you pair a pitcher and the catcher. To help too, um, this guy's Tucker Barnhart though. Yeah, you got you need somebody to take his like five million dollars. <laughs> well, that ain't gonna happen. And but his four hundred. I mean, like the Giants have the one that really stands out to me too. They've got guys like David Vr, uh, Sean Haley, Joey Bart, Elliot Ramos, Cole Wade. Is Joey Bart good? By the way, I've been I, hearing his name forever. I think he sucks, doesn't he? He's a name. He's a name that's. I don't want names. I want good players. Well, this is the other thing that goes why, like, I think the Sox and Cubs, like, you almost have to trade a Stroman or a Giolito because the market of sellers, there's not very many of them. 
and they got two of the biggest come out. Like if you're a contending team, almost everyone needs pitching. Well, there's not a whole lot of teams that are selling. Like you can think of a couple of like Royals, I think obviously would be, but then you still have to have pieces to sell, which they don't have very many. Cubs and Sox in a rare position where they can be sellers and a limited seller's market where you could really fleece a couple teams that are desperate and think they can contend this year. So maybe you could pawn off that bad contract, Tucker Barnhart. Who knows? Ugh, I don't know. But Bart, Bart's an injury prone, so I'm not sure about that one. That'd be just have to throw in. But there's some guys you could just you want to like a white sock. Like full-time catcher. Yeah. It could be Miguel Amaya for all we know. I mean, he's waiting for him to break out. But I, you know, there's just you got to target your positions of need if you're going to do this now. The Cubs have targeted pitching enough in the draft at this point that you you need to start. You know, again, this is one thing that seems like Jed's good at. He's a good dumpster diver. Um, he really can get the pick of the lettuce out there when he's dumping in the dumpster and trying to find, you know, he's making sandwiches in there. Um, he finds some of these guys and some of these guys might not pan out like, you know, like with the, with, you know, the, the, the ball didn't work out, but you've also got the Kevin Alcantara's out there. So you go and look for that kind of thing. You go to look for a guy that, um, is, a, you know, you've got to find a guy that you're, that, cause again, he's still just a rental, um, wherever you yeah. trade him, And so you have to take that into consideration. So you kind of got to target these guys that are like, you almost have to know they're about to break out. Like you almost have to have that feel like these, this guy's on a verge. So you, you kind of throw a little lawn darts and you need another trigger. Yeah, exactly. You pull a trigger and about to go. Got injured. And like people still didn't really know, but obviously the, the potential is there, but either the Mets were like, win now. I think, I think the, 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 especially like the diamondbacks, because diamondbacks been very good all year long. I mean, the Orioles too. Um, but deep farm systems, a lot of young talent up and down all around the field for the, both of those teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a question for both of you, but maybe applies a little more to the Cubs just because I feel like their pitching depth, even though it hasn't always been uh, as much quality as we thought this year. Uh, but I mean, the Sox starting pitching depth is just brutal. Again, Michael Kopech on the injured list. Hopefully he's back after the All-Star break. Clevenger, I think, is another guy on the injured list looking to come back after the All-Star break. And then beyond that, who's that? Tukey? Uh, hey, new guy, Tukey. <laughs> the Sox have Tukey's no good, story. though. Like, he's actually, like... <laughs> so, so, the question, the I think, is more leading... prospect, baby. <laughs> so, I think the, the this question is leading more towards the Cubs side, where... You know, a few years ago, the Cubs the Cubs decided by this time, like after June, they knew they were going to sell. And again, it goes back to the U Darvish trade where they set up the team to not really succeed. And now we saw that year when they pretty much decided to say there were like a few games under 500. And during the same year, the Atlanta Braves and I think the St. Louis Cardinals got hot after having subpar records in June and July. If the Cubs, Kevin, let's say they keep Stroman and they say, all right, let's keep around. Maybe we do get hot. But they make a, a few other minor trades. Let's say they do sell Drew Smiley or trade Drew Smiley, maybe uh, uh, another guy, Cody Bellinger, and they bring up uh, one of their outfielders. Who knows? So, something like that. But they Who's still get trading themselves- for Drew Smiley. <laughs> so, hey, you just said there's not a lot of sellers. You always need pitching. Yeah, Drew Smiley, perfect right. game if he if Jan Gomes doesn't uh, I think that only qualify for good pitchers. Like the Royals can sell all the pitchers they want, but if you don't have anyone good, then this may affect some of this discussions too, although um Danzy Swanson's been lifted in the seventh inning. Okay, okay. 
Uh, right. no, no reason why yet. So it could be nothing. Could just be he's just had a bad night and they're pulling him or something's wrong. And now. Okay. All right. All right. I was I've not a Ross big super, or, I always say that I'm not a big superstitious guy, uh, but I am. I mean, baseball fans, I think we mostly are. Um, the Cubs, I think, are every time we do a show and the Cubs are playing, I don't think they've won this year on a Wednesday night. Uh, I think the Didn't one time, remember the one time I told you guys, let's they record after the game's end? They won that night. Um, so just uh, so b- bad things happen when we record on Wednesday night and our teams are playing. Uh, but, back, but back to the question. Let's say the Cubs. Let's forget about Danzy Swanson maybe being injured. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, okay. just, just, just got punched out on a ball that was a good six inches inside. Not a straight. Hey, he's, he's got three hits today. He's the only one hitting. Another Rossi rant here, though? That's Little Rossi rant. <laughs> That's the second time today someone's been punched out on a ball that was clearly out of the zone. Oh, it was ah, called out or he swung it? Or he was called, called, out. called strike three. I did see never, a tweet earlier ever, how the umpires today. The umpires today were worse than the umpires yesterday, or like the, the home plate umpire yesterday that uh, made David Ross go crazy. Uh, but the umps are sticking it to him. They heard his comments. <laughs> right, yeah. stick it to him. MLB, investigate your umpires. Um, umpires, MLB umpires. Uh, let's say the Cubs don't completely sell off. They keep Strowman. They're like, you know what? We'll give you guys a shot to get hot in the second half. How many games back are they right now? Five and so a half? right now, if they lose tonight, they'll be the, they'll be seven out. <laughs> it's it's just like seven sounds a lot worse than six. I don't know what it is, but like the number mm-hmm. seven always feels like a big number. Six or less, right. feel yeah. like you, you know, know what, it does because when they won on Tuesday, it's like, hey, hey, they're only six back. You know why? Because if you win one more, you're only five back. And then Seven's it's like, all right, now, now we got some momentum. Seven and up, it always feels like, boy. Seven <laughs> squirrels swinging on a branch down by the water at my uncle's ranch. You know that old tale by the sea? All right, five minutes later, Kevin, <laughs> if the Cubs keep Marcus Stroman but then lose him in free agency, will you be mad? Yeah, absolutely. But they're giving yeah. themselves a shot to win. That's what you wanted to see a few years ago. They need to extend him. Not yet. Yeah, I mean – I mean, if they intend on paying him, it's going to be that. that if they get nothing for him, yeah, be, that would be that's, that's, it. that's it. So, if there's a plan, maybe a verbal, and they're all just they're playing around and having some fun in the media and, and stuff, and they eventually come to you know, and they sign him before the you know he goes away. But if they don't trade him and he walks for nothing, absolutely furious, uh, stupid. That's a Kyle Schwarber esque blunder. Yeah, uh, letting Kyle Schwarber walk away for nothing. So. um why don't we see? Uh, are there rules against MLB sign in trades? Why don't we ever see those? I wish they could do that, or at least have like an agreement in place, can't you? Like, right. have say, hey, like a, by the way, I, I am not watching the Cubs game right now, but back to back tweets here uh, from Bleacher Nation fire every single umpire on this crew, and then at full count, Tommy, you're all frauds at MLB uh, Umpires Association. So, I think uh, the Cubs are having a rough night after David Ross. Uh, called out the entire <laughs> following Tuesday. So you know what? Maybe I don't like the fire and passion. Bad mood again. David Ross can't press pushing the all the button. wrong buttons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. David Ross pushed. Here he is. What is this button? <laughs> like oh shit. You turn on the alarm. It sounds like the Road Runner. We're all dead. All right. All right, Kevin. Pull up uh, Zoe's, uh, Zoe's Twitter thread from uh, Wednesday. He had the let's best get trade. some. The let's have some fun here. I think right, that so. would be the best one for the White Sox. First one provided uh, offering Bruhan Luke pizza puffs 
for Uncrustables. We'll start there and then we'll really push into it. So Pizza Puffs for Uncrustables seems pretty fair. They both are air fried. No, no, no. No, no, no. Pizza, Pizza, Puff. Pizza Puffs is Uncrustables uh, are just bad. Why do you think Luke's always throwing those away? Because he doesn't want them. Yeah, these I Sundays when puffs. he's chucking them in the 108. You got to take the Pizza Puffs. So two Uncrustables. The problem is you can burn your mouth. So it could be a locker room problem. Because, you know, you Pizza, eat out of the oven, puffs. you're burning your mouth. You're not burning your mouth with the Uncrustable. They're very fiery clubhouse presence, too. It is. But there's more upside in a Pizza Puff. I think so. so. That's, think that's so. what I'm going with. It'd have to be both puff. a strawberry and grape. Pizza puff, uh, very volatile for sure, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So, but the, that, but the, cool. the floors, I mean, the, the ceiling's a lot higher for a pizza puff. That's true. That's no. It start the star potential is the pizza puff. You want the pizza puff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would I, do no. I, I'm not. I'm not trading them. Or I'm not trading the pizza puff away. That's a no, no deal. Trade? No, no deal. No deal. Yeah, no deal. No what, deal. If, what if Pizza Puff has a no trade clause too? The the Uncrustable is what you get if you're having a kitchen rebuild and you need a solid like veteran leader to be in there while you overhaul your pantry. Then you then you get some Uncrustables. That's so why Uncrustables are Elvis Andrews. Yes. Well, I mean, <laughs> no. Here you. Uh, I'm like glad you brought up Jay. Oakland A legend Elvis Andrews. This would be like trading away Marcus Simeon uh, for Jeff Samarja. Which oh. Rickon did a few years. <laughs> yeah, oh, that is exactly what. And Chris Bassett. So we're gonna make a change of pain subject there. And uh, the next one was from I'll Missy- do a Cubs one for the next one. <laughs> Missy Carroll with the really good trade idea. Geo Lucas Giolito for Frog with a Siggy and cash consideration. So really, you got both. You got the the Frog with the Siggy. Uh, doesn't actually smoke it. It's it's really it's just it's really just a set piece. It's, it's for look. It's for, we were talking about wireless, it being a seller's market. Just really smoke it. But. Talking about it being a seller's market, and that's exactly the type of return you would want if you're selling a piece like Lucas Giolito. Not a whole lot of people are offering a frog with a Siggy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if that frog can play second base, even better. Mm-hmm. But sign me up. I think uh, I think that one has some potential. And I mean, cash Lucas- considerations. I mean, come on. Lucas Giolito, you're only going to have him for like three more months anyway. He's going to leave in free agency. You don't have enough money to pay for him. The agile. frog, he's agile, fast, and he's cool. He smokes cigarettes. I know it's bad for your health, but smoking, when frogs do it, it looks cool. Underrated, yeah, like that underrated skill. Underrated skill. He's great getting out of rundowns. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, too, springy. the on-base percentage. The White Sox don't walk. How are you going to pitch to a frog? It's like when Bill Vec got the little person out there to like take yeah, that bat. But now you just have a regular, like a frog in the starting lineup. Like that strike zone's tiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that guy is going to be an OBP machine, which is the White Sox need right now. And of course, the intimidation factor, because not only is he a small target, but he's got a cig. He's got a cig. Mean, yeah, yeah. Cigarettes just puts it over. <laughs> I mean, now, I mean, pitcher throws a 59 footer, that, that frog could be toast. So you might might need the. Uh, oh, he's wearing he's wearing all the protection now. Right. You don't put him in toast, though. You just put him in soup. But He just wait, needs a single what? elbow guard to guard his entire body. He'll be fine. I picture now that frog going in like a soup, but like the Siggy hanging out of the water. Like Is it the, the WB of, frog? And the Terminator 2, and then the thumbs up, and the Siggy goes <laughs> into the lava. <laughs> the WB. <laughs> Oh, me. All right, uh, the next one. Wow, we've we've gone through our serious trades. And hey, somebody this. can uh, kiss it. You can become a princess. It's true. Very, well, it depends a... what type of frog it is. What if they, we get screwed? It's like a poison dart frog. Yeah, or you lick it and you start tripping. Well, hey, when he gets on first base, oh. first baseman tries to, you know, uh, who, Josh Bell tries to uh, give him a little butt slap, poisoned. 
Oh yeah, that's true. There you go. But Trey so, Mancini, he's a friendly fella. I don't want Trey Mancini getting poisoned. Cup socks uh, in uh, what? In, later in July? <laughs> really? Get excited! There's no hype surrounding that. I gotta, I gotta hype myself back up to that. The Sox <laughs> schedule, by the way, Sox scheduled to begin the second half. Uh, but you get the Braves right away. <laughs> I was told we had the second easiest schedule. We get, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I saw that tweet too, and I was looking at the schedule. I'm like, where, when does it begin? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so it filtering through now from away from the frogs to the serious. Uh, Jordan Miller will not tolerate any advocation of uh, trading Lucas Giolito. So, um, but then the next one, this one's <laughs> special. We've got a couple of pitches and proposals on this one, but Beef Loaf gave us make at least one White Sox Twitter podcast trade. Uh, you cowards. So, Kevin, I think you have a good one. I am happy to report uh, here on uh, the Pinwas and Ivy Cat in a blockbuster three podcast deal. Steve O is being sent to Bad Guy Radio. King Mac is being traded to Steve Bannon Show. And uh, Believe in the South Side is going to get cash considerations from what used to be a PPE loan. So, that is the big podcast trade. There it was for you, Beef. There's your podcast trade. Uh, Steve-O is now part of Bad Guy Network, Cash Considerations, PPE Loans. Um, one might say he's headed to the Cortez Coast. But uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's, uh, that's our podcast trade. Um, but we have been in negotiations to maybe get – we need a kicking leg, so we're also in negotiations with the uh, the bums about maybe getting uh, uh, Baloney on here uh, as a as a kicking prodigy because I can't kick well, and we need field goals. with those so... Zoe did give us a trade proposal of his own. Um, and as a tribute to Beef Loaf uh, for his Luis Robert trade proposal uh, back in a few years ago, I forget what year it was, we're going to trade our own rising star, Mitch, to the oh. 108. Uh, You're going to regret that trade. That's like the White Sox and Marcus Semyon. <laughs> for, for Beef Loaf. So we want yeah, the, we want the veteran. Marge if I've ever seen one. We want the proven veteran in here with the flow. Uh, and Mitch, I mean, you're a star, but who knows? That's beef loaf will be fun. It'll be like Jeff Samarja. He'll have his own <laughs> section, like with the hats, you know, and it'll be fun for like a season or so. But I mean, you're going to get screwed in the long run. Your family's going to be concerned you're drinking a little too much too as well if you're on that show. <laughs> You know, it's that's actually a nicer Probably. trade than I had. I honestly had uh, trading my sock summers top knot for um, for Gabe's talons. So um, <laughs> I think that that you guys had a better one than mine. We'll also trade uh, yeah. Zoe's flooded basement for uh, Beefloaf's hot tub. Ah, they get okay. more volume. Now more, we're more volume. Now that's we're cooking right. here. Now we're more cooking. More guests on the Sunday soap. Yeah, <laughs> you can have a whole basement. Yeah, they can have an entire pool. So his basement, there's probably some. Like, yeah, there's probably some other. I really there. hope that it's nothing serious because that joke uh, in light and looking back might be terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> someone a union guy. Someone uh, hooks Zoe up with uh, the repairs. Yeah, definitely. That's not. All right, so this one is from White Sox Truther. I can't. This one's really doesn't have much real, uh, like real um, logic behind it, but it's Jake Berger. Gavin Sheets and Davis Martin to Oakland for cash. Cash considerations is popular this year. Cash considerations uh, is going to be traded everywhere. Said he didn't really want to return. He just thinks that they'd look best in those A's uniforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, your favorite team, Kevin, the A's. The and your favorite city. Let's go. Um, Bruhan Luke was at first a little uh, 
questionable about should he share his trade ideas. He just he didn't want to uh, you know subject himself to ridicule. But he has Dylan Cease and Joe Kelly to the Diamondbacks. It looks like for Jordan Lawler and Brandon Fat 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 Brandon Fat. How do you say uh, the name? Lawler, just as I'm always a big names guy with baseball players and in sports in general, but Lawler, that's that's a winner. I love it. Lawler. So Lawler bomb. So Dylan season Joe Kelly for Jordan Lawler. And then the guy's Brandon Fad. I just don't know how to say it. It's P-F-A-A-D-T. So that's just strange. Um, you got uh Father Sean, good old Sean Jank Jank, um, with Joe Kelly or Kendall Graveman to the Rangers for Duran and Project Prospects. Ooh. Okay. That'd be a good one because again, the Rangers, the Rangers have been the most aggressive so far out of any team. They traded for a role as Chapman already. Uh, they're looking for as much bullpen help as they can get. Uh, obviously, they're one of the best teams this year in the American League and, and in all of baseball. And That's yeah, a good trade for them, though. I kind of like that addition. That's like one of the things that when they came to Chicago, you felt was lacking a little bit was the bullpen with them. That offense is legit. They just got to get some guys back there that can protect the lead. I like that pickup for them. Kendall Graven, by the way, you can, you can, he can still give you a little more value because he still has that, uh, he still has next year's uh, deal, or he's still, he's still under team control That's through true. 24. Do you guys have AMPMs where you guys are at? Although you do, right? Yeah, we, we, we use yeah. But the, the, this guy creeps me out. This, this AMP, what's his name? Gongo. Gongo. The guy that's like made out, like he's got like a cheeseburger for a nose. And when you get snacks, the AMPM commercials, he's like, He's like Grimace's like hairy, weird cousin. It's strange. I'm uh, sorry. It just the commercial during the Cubs game catches my eye. It's like the Burger King guy. I'm terrified and have nightmares of him frequently because one minute he's out on your front porch and the next minute, you know, you turn your head and he's in your bed with a breakfast sandwich. So quick question. Not- Where would you guys rank uh, Burger King in terms of your traditional, well-known fast food restaurants? Chicken sandwich bomb. No, just overall Burger King. It's been a while since I've been there, if I'm being honest. They're pretty low on the totem pole. I agree with you, Mitch. I think I've had Burger yeah. King two times in my life. They've good onion rings. my choice. Yeah. <laughs> I go, I go, like, I think Wendy's for me is always like a go, but Wendy's changed the burgers. I used to like when they had the smashy smash burgers. The honey hot, did. the honey yeah. hot chicken sandwich from Wendy's bu- was legit. Wendy's was, used to be my favorite, but you're right, Kevin. Like, I think they changed the burgers. Like, they're not as good as. They're, they're, the patties are more square now. They used to they used to have like burnt ends like to these things. They were awesome and greasy, and they, they used to have a thing called the big classic, which was like the brioche bun with like the little like salt yeah, on top. Yeah. Oh man, that thing was so good. But I mean, that's that's still probably you know unless yeah, you want to get into Culvers and, and all those things. I mean, I would I I I go back and forth. I had In and Out that one got back from Napa. That was the first place we, we went and got In and Out. Ooh, we uh, Kevin, obviously I'll ask you second. But Mitch, have you ever had In and Out? I have. I lived out in L.A. for my last semester of college, so you know I had to try the in and out hype. At first, I thought it was a little overrated. The burgers were good, but like the fries didn't do it for me until I got the animal style fries, and then it's like, oh, this is the hack because the regular fry is just kind of like cardboard. It wasn't very good. I but you get the animal style, all of a sudden it's like, wow, this place is yep. phenomenal because they make a good, they make a solid burger. Yeah. They're consistent. They're consistent. Like, look, I'll be honest. Everyone, like all the Texas people, it doesn't matter. You can, it's like banging your head against the wall. They talk about Whataburger. Whataburger, Whataburger is Sonic. You, I actually did a poll last year and I said, and I posted about Whataburger and they literally, I posted the actual pictures weren't actually Whataburger. They were Sonics. And Whataburger Texas fans couldn't tell the freaking difference because it is literally a Sonic burger. Now I think I Sonic like the, them, but either way, it's, it's, it's man. I like fat burger. I'm not fat burger. Like 
I, 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 if I had to choose between in and out and fat burger, I actually go to fat burger. I love their fries. Their fat fries are awesome. If you give me the combo of your, you have to rate both at the same time. And I know I get it. I get it in and out for the price. Yes, I get it. But burgers and fries, I would still take Shake Shack over uh, in and out. Shake Shack's delicious. Oh, because the fry, the fries just kill it for me. Because you want the good bite of the burger, and then you want the fry. And then you, if you order regular fries at In and Out, you, you're so you're gonna eat the fries, and you're gonna be like, that was a waste. You know what I would trade? You know what I would trade an In and Out burger for? I would trade an In and Out burger for a Portillo's char burger. I want a char burger. Portillo's makes a mean burger. You always go, I always get the Italian beef there, but like when you do get the burger, it's delicious. It's one of the more underrated things on the Portillo's menu. It's why you got to have a Portillo's in your neighborhood because the only time I get to go to a Portillo's is when I'm coming home from San Diego or, uh, you know, it's, it's not, and you have some, I think we're near where you're at, Aldo, but they don't have them here in Vegas. So I only get the beef, right? I'm not going to get hot dog. I can get the hot dogs anywhere, but the beef is I get. Well, if I had one like around this corner and I can go like a second time in a week, I get a char dog, a char burger. The char burgers are so good. They're pickles. Aye. But I just have to say though, okay. past few years, I don't know if it's because COVID and production or after the sale, but Portilla's quality went down. Sadly, for me at least. I, 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 I had a feeling that would happen. I haven't been there in uh, about a year, but I had a feeling that would happen. All right, what's the next trade, uh, Kevin? Okay, next trade is. Yeah, I think we. Princess's Burger King sucks. Now. Burger King sucks except for the chicken sandwiches, the original chicken, the long ones. Those are the best hangover remedies ever. And raising canes over chicken. Anyway, so um, let's see here. Oh, we get to food again. We got uh, G rate churro and a funnel cake for Otani, but uh, that won't work probably. Uh, did you say raising canes? Did I hear raising? Yeah, did you say raising canes over Chick Fil A? I Let like me tell you something about raising canes. We got one down in Columbia where I work, <laughs> and it got like really bad. So you know how like sometimes your phone will have like t- suggestions, like oh, like directions to home because it knows you're going there every day. So like every morning it would be like directions to ABC seventeen, even though I wouldn't punch in, it would suggest it. Well, I knew it was getting bad the other week, like around noon. I got directions to raising canes. It's like Jesus <laughs> Christ, I gotta chill. I've been going so much. You're going like, so much <laughs> at noon. It like popped up. <laughs> oh. And you're young, dude. You you do not waste this opportunity to be able to eat because <laughs> I didn't even because here out west now they start putting they started putting the calories on the on the order, and that's really makes it hard. Well, you're at the drive through and you're in the past I just like give me a caniac combo, give me the six fingers and you know no slaw extra toast, let's rock. And now you see the calories, dude. I go no toast, give me extra fries. Twenty one hundred <laughs> calories, dear God. Like I'm oh, like oh, but it's, enjoy it. So good though. Yeah, I do wish hangover. You know what you can use them for too. You can get them, make chicken and waffles. Go to, go pick up some raisin canes on a Sunday morning. Come back, make waffles. Use that those chicken fingers for your chicken and waffles. I do wish the strips were a little better. Oh, well, I had that stupid. What's that one thing in the South? They have, what's the one that they have? Uh, the Southeast, South uh, uh, no checkers and rallies are actually. I, I love a little big Buford. What the heck is the fingers place? Zaxby's. Zaxby's. I went to a Zaxby's in, in uh, when I was in Georgia, and that was like, like the emperor's fingers. They were like just really sad little like crotchety, like <laughs> anemic fingers. Well, people were smaller back uh, when they were emperors. Uh, Everything in the south was just smaller. Yeah. <laughs> canes, canes maybe. You put a Canes next to a, a Zaxby's, and it's like Dirk Diggler, and you know, like some dude who just swam in the cold. So. <laughs> Not to say, but anyway, all right. So let's get back to it. We keep getting into this food. So we got um, Giolito to Baltimore 
for Heston, is it Kierstad? And yes. a couple of arms from their top 30 or whatever. That's from uh, Brian, from uh, Magnificent Stan. Is that uh, first guy, is he, because that's the thing, is he a top uh, 100 prospect? I don't know. Because again, Lucas Giolito, I don't think great. you're getting he's a, a rental. top 100 for, yeah, yeah he's, he's a rental. A top 100 guy. I would do that trade, absolutely. Right. He is an outfielder and first baseman. White Sox need more first baseman. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> well, we're trading him all to Oakland, so we're going yeah, to need to Oakland, yeah. Left-handed bat, and he's killing it at AAA. He's got 16 jacks, 35 RBI, 314 average, and 981 OPS. He's he's, he's nervous, basically. Um, let's hope not. He's gone so far, but um, that's, it, that's nervous, the next one. Get second shot eventually, just like Oscar Colas. So this one we got Joe Kelly to Texas for Zavala. Wait. Oh, another Zavala. Mitch didn't like it. Mitch, we did, yeah. <laughs> there's a we there's one Zavala. That's that's one. There is only one Zavala. When I first saw that, trailer, yeah, only one I thought he was talking about like our Zavala. I was like, oh, that makes no sense. But I had to look at. I was like, oh man, the Rangers have a Zavala too. Can't have two said. <laughs> two. Uh, Giolito to Baltimore for Cowser. Is that what it's Cowser? I don't know Cowser. Oh, is. by the way, uh, for the for the Rangers, it's Aaron Zavala, twenty three outfielder. Bat, lefty bat. You know. I got a bad feeling about him. Pat. He looks ter- he, terrible numbers this year, though. I don't know what he's at. Double A is a six seventy two. We can't have that. two Zavalas with terrible numbers. Pass. Colton he was a second round pick in twenty twenty one out of Oregon. Colton Cowser's a good little know. toss in there. It's another left handed outfield bat. Ten homers, forty RBI, nine ninety six OPS, hitting three thirty right now at Triple A. So quick question, because I mean, these, the Cubs and Sox are supposed to be building or they're the Sox more are supposed to be competing. Now Cubs are building something to compete soon. You would think. So in these trades, when we start to think about them, like you want more MLB ready guys, right? You're like, you don't want the young prospects anymore. Or or do you just want best prospect available? I will oh, take whatever we can get because it's rentals. So, like, I would prefer like an MLB ready guy that's gonna like help us. Like, but if you're a contender, you're not trading those type yeah, of guys to the White Sox. Yeah. So you need them too. <laughs> that's true. That's a good point. And and you want to? I mean, you want guys that are on the fringe, guys that aren't ready yet to contribute right now for a team that's needing contributions at this exact moment. But guys that are still not far enough away where you know they still are two years removed from being able to buy beer. So, you know, you've got to have that kind of like that fine line. So with that, you go with, uh, you know, like a guy, like a double A guy that maybe is ready to, on a, in a weaker triple A system or farm system like the White Sox might be ready to just go ahead and start at triple A and be ready maybe by call up time at the end, if however things go and kind of play from there. But Colton Cowser. Unless, good. yeah. Cowser's the only good. thing I, I could see, well, actually, I couldn't see, but like, I guess the only thing that would really work if you're going to trade one of those guys, it would probably be like a Craig Kimbrell for AJ Pollock type deal where they're both expiring deals. You give us a need, we'll give you a need. But there's not a whole lot of teams I could see doing. Yeah. Okay. Let's see here. TA and Bummer to the Dodgers for Dalton Rushing and Bush. Bush, dude, it's always like that one. Bummer on the Dodgers would just be like filthy. Like I already know it. Once he leaves the Sox uniform, he's just gonna like live up to his potential. Everyone talks about how nasty his sinker is. Like when he's not spiking it in the dirt and giving up runs. But uh, I feel like Bummer once he changes uniforms, it's like gonna click for him. So <laughs> Russian. Uh, that is good. I mean, T A. If he was good, 
You'd get but, a lot more. Yeah. I'm I still not giving up on TA, though. Oh, uh oh, 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 no, are you there? Oh, I thought you were at a rave. That's a cigarette. Oh, I'm here, boys. He's got a heater. Uh, Speaking of oh. frog with Siggy, it's oh, Zoe's Siggy. I wouldn't trade it, though. Boys, it's bad. I'm down bad, boys. You're going to need a bigger boat? We're going to need a bigger house. I'm selling this bitch. I love you, baloney, <laughs> but I'm, I'm getting out of the fucking hills. Fuck this. Oh, man. So what are we talking about? Uh, TA and uh, Bummer to the Dodgers for Bush. I'm going to need a little bit more. Well, I think the Dodgers are going to need a lot more. <laughs> it was, no, it was rushing and Bush. Dalton rushing and There you go. Okay. He's got eight jacks, 35 RBI. He's got a 917 OPS at high A. He's a catcher. Did you guys He's talk about my, uh, my amazing Giolito to the Reds trade? We haven't got, no. We got into that one yet. We spent too much time the trading food. Yeah. Giolito to the Reds for their, their kid they got at shortstop at Marte. All right, all right. <laughs> He's uh, a work correspondent. What's up? <laughs> You're gonna get a war correspondent here. here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, bud. We're we're in the shit here, folks. Literally. Oh man. Yeah, that is no fun. No, it was. It's bad. But uh, I like Giolito to to the Reds for Marte. The Reds get another starting pitcher. The White Sox get potential. Security for TA, and then maybe they can move TA a little bit to the Dodgers. Quick thoughts, so, uh, who was TA talking about in his Instagram uh, post? I think he just means like he sucked on purpose to find out who the fuck was still rolling with him when he sucked, and now he's going to be back. Okay, all right, all right. That's Hold what I move. got out of it too. I don't think he sucked on purpose, but like that was <laughs> well, that's, the message that's, he was trying to convey. The, but yeah, that yeah. is yeah, that is definitely what he's trying to convey there. Outman tied it up in the ninth. Ooh. A two-run double? Forget everything I said like half an hour ago. Cubs are back. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> Let's trade for Giolito. I got to trade for you guys. According to the baseball like trade simulator, this works. Cubs get Lucas Giolito and a negative trade value, Eli Jimenez, for some reason, for Nick <laughs> Madrigal. I think you answered your own question. Prospect catcher, Pablo Aliendo, and you get a starting pitcher. You get Caleb Killian back. So, no, uh, but this is the other thing that's weird is what – is there a catcher farm I don't know about? Like, do catchers just, like, grow? Like, do I got to go up, like, 94 or something and there's a yeah, catcher farm? Yeah, for the farm? Cubs, we got we – got, What do you think we got, Seb? They're old. Hydroponic system, actually, up in, mm-hmm. uh, in uh, Sheboygan. What are you talking about? So, you guys produce Sebi Zavala. Do not disrespect And Seb. Zach Collins. Zach Collins is uh, – We don't need to talk about Zach. We don't, yeah, I mean – but I'm just they saying, can't like, all be Sebs. I'm just saying, like all these people, <laughs> all these people in my Twitter mentions, like, yo, we need a catcher. We need a catcher. No shit. Where the <laughs> fuck are you gonna find one? I'm I'm sorry, boys. I'm on tilt tonight, as you would mention. But so you don't want to hear all those um, trade proposals with the White Sox? No, that was it. He said yes. I think. No, oh. I said I said no. I said <laughs> I'd, rather, I'd rather relive the last four hours of my life. Then see that trade go. All right. Through. So by the way, next... uh, although it looks like Dansby Swanson bruised heel, um, which right, is like, not give great because that's, off. What, give the few days that's off. what KB was struggling with was a bruised heel, and the Cubs oh, are about to take the lead. KB missed like right, a month. So I can see that I've never done this on my phone. I can see the chat now. 
I like a lot of people think that the, the Orioles are just going to be serving up prospects. Well, yeah, no, that's the thing where the Orioles have a deep farm system. So I think when they trade guys, it's like teams are going to be getting back like the number 12th player in the Orioles system. And at first it's going to seem bad, yep. but it's a deep farm system. You're still getting like, I think a solid player in return. Right. Uh, everybody likes that kid with the, all the continents in his fucking last name. <laughs> Paft, right? Or whatever. That guy? Pat no, no, Paft? that guy, that guy's coming from the diamondbacks. I'm talking oh, yeah. about the dude from the Orioles. He's like a, he's a corner infielder. It's like, Hajastad or something. It's like H J A S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lose the fucking continents, you fucking loser. He's from. Well, that's a loser name. Yeah, I don't think you want him anyway. No, he's good. No, that's a loser name. I definitely want him. I'm not gonna lie. I honestly, 100% today, forgot that Yoan Moncada was on this team. Oh man, I forgot he was on this team. Legit, like yesterday, I bet the Dinger Tuesday, I bet Jake Berger to hit a home run. And my buddy who I was at his house for the 4th of July party, he's like, well, are you sure he's playing? I'm like, well, who else would play third? He's like, Johan Mankata. I was like, oh, shit. I forgot about Johan Mankata. <laughs> hey, he's sprinting under supervision. Yeah, yeah Jesus Christ, sprinting under supervision. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, by the way, oh Pedro Grifol, Pedro Grifol just put Johan Mankata on blast. What like, do you say now? Well, it was that quote. It was like right around. I forget when that quote came out, but he's like, "Yeah, he looks fine, uh, but every time he, I think he's back to 100, percent he's still not ready." Or it was like something like that. Oh, uh, well, now my puppies are killing each other. So that's what happens when you say bad trades. So beef. By the way, you're late. You missed it. We did a a, a blockbuster three podcast trade. Oh, what uh, was it? Oh, you're gonna have to get, get back. Yeah, 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 we got to run it back, but you know, uh... Fids the Dealmeister was uh, coming up with all these great things. Yeah, right. Hold on, but I got I gotta... screwed on my trade. Go ahead. Some podcast like, is getting. So, like, this is a Quentin Tarantino shot from the trunk uh, on Zoe's phone right now, or the last thing you see before you someone yells, "Put a the lotion on the basket." I mean, Zoe's gonna love this trade. We did trade Zoe's uh, flooded basement for uh, your hot tub beef love. So, yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Fair is fair. I feel like this is the last thing you see before the dirt showers yeah. over. <laughs> it's like a found uh, oh, movie. Grimace pops up out of nowhere. Oh god! Grimace. Burger King, his head pops out. The Burger King, <laughs> that son of a bitch. Oh, I hate him. Oh, my dog hates all these trades too. <laughs> <laughs> sure What's those... the next trade uh, coming? All right. Uh, so now we go to a Cubs one. Uh, this okay. is from Sean. Sean he had uh, Stroman and Smiley to Baltimore for Westberg and guess who? Cheerstad. So we got another mention of the Viking. Um, Cheerstad. Send it. Why not? So that's that's two starting pitchers, which Baltimore could use two starting pitchers, to be honest, uh, effective ones. Um, and that would be actually a good – I mean, that actually works. Um, he had a second one was Hendricks, Belly, and Fulmer to Texas for Evan Carter and Jack Leiter. Okay. Has, what is the status on Jack Leiter? What's he up to? What's he being up to? He... Besides in the offseason helping pick up trash um, instead of being in the weight room. God, well, I don't man. like that. Yeah. Oh, we got a problem there. Can't uh, have that. Mm-mm, mm-mm. That seems like a guy who's not committed. Yeah. Uh, he has not been great. Uh, he's two and, this actually would be a buy low. In the comments? 
Um, sir, this is my show, and I will rip a heater whenever the fuck I want on my show. <laughs> there you go. That's right. Uh, this is not just a clever description by Ryan in the in the chat. He has been booty, uh, he, which is great. By low, he has been. Yeah, um, two and four. He's a five and fourteen with a five two five ERA so far in one hundred and fifty seven innings as a pro. Like not. Who great. was that? Who was that trade? Hendricks, Fulmer, and who was Bellinger? That was uh, Hendricks, Belly, and Fulmer for Evan Carter and Jack. So I think Evan Carter might be the. Uh, I mean that, that would be because again, yeah, uh, Kyle Hendricks. He, ha- I know he has a team option for next year, but it's that's probably going to get declined. So that would be a. Uh, I mean, you're getting Cody oh, Bellinger, cool. our guy, but he's. I like Carter. He's, he's been cooled off. He's a lefty. All right, boys. Lefty, lefty I'm bat. Gonna, I'm going to bounce out. Take it home. Uh, Godspeed, Mitch, Mitch. Check your text, and I will talk to you guys later. Sounds good, bud. Let's uh, have a good one. That's so, the problem. Yeah. I can't read the chat without like hitting this thing. It's impossible. <laughs> I probably got all the stuff stacked up with the stupid phones. So Carter has he's got a he's played he's got 219 at bats. He's got a 311 average, a 901 OPS at double A for uh for Texas. So okay, so Ooh. looks like Evan Carter is the get and he's an outfielder, projectable, good speed. So maybe put him in left field, have PCA in center, and then you got Casey in right. You got a nice little young little hotbed there. Not to mention Alcantara and who else might be coming through. So that's not a bad. That actually, that actually kind of float. That hits it a little bit. I like that one. Uh, and then um, Hap and Lighter Jr. to the Dodgers for Bobby Miller and Ryan Pepio. Or Bobby okay. Miller, excuse me. Well, that's Ryan. the Pep- Pepio is the guy uh, Zoe wanted all offseason for Lucas right. Giolito, I think. And he also said that if they suck, he was hacked. So it's not his fault. And he said Mancini <laughs> can go in any of these deals just as. Hey, guy, you want to? That's a good veteran guy. Wanna, By the way, uh, that Evan Carter trade. That? Um, <laughs> that Evan Carter trade and Jack Ladder, that's just not going to happen. He is currently number seventh overall on oh, overall? MLB Pipeline. Oh. The, the Rangers aren't. I know the Rangers are ready to win, but I don't think they'd do that. They'd have to get Stroh for that. That would be a Yeah, stro- they would have to get Strowman and like Hendricks. So Strowman and Hendricks and Belly for those two, I think would be, I'd be okay with. Yeah. Remove former. I mean, it depends. I think they have a pretty solid outfield, right? With the yeah, uh, Garcia and center. I mean, by the way, Pico Armstrong up to number nine. Yeah, and number one in temper tantrums. Apparently, Kevin, do you think Pete? Is there a chance September call up PCA? Couple couple weeks, maybe Um, or no? Or does he or does he finish the year at AAA? You know, let's see. You, you almost got to wonder how the trade deadline plays out first um, and where they're at. I don't think you bring them up if you're in a hunt. I think you let the, I, I think you just let them, you just kind of just bite your tongue and let the kid keep going through. But, it, but if you are playing non-competitive baseball down the stretch, might as well get the kid some uh, opportunities to see some major league pitching, get a cup of coffee, know what to expect. Then he can go into the off season with an understanding of what it looks like and, he can start working on things. It'd be one thing. It's one thing to to be told what it looks like to see a major league pitch and to play at the major league level and do that consistently. It'd be nice to have a couple weeks of experience for him to take with him to the uh, the off season and grow with. So if they are out of it, I think that that would, I think that's a more than uh, logical idea. I mean, let's see what the Cubs do. I mean, it's again, it's Cubs. So and then so- Mitch. Quick, uh, get another quick outfield question. Barring injury, no matter what, keep up Oscar Colas and play him as much as possible. Or nah, does he not no it? matter, no matter, not no matter what. I mean, I think you're playing him as much as you can. Like you're playing him as much as possible. But like you know, if he stinks, then obviously. Do you want to see more Eloy in right field? 
No, I hope he's good. Uh-huh. And like, you know, you have room, you have more margin to make mistakes with Oscar right now, especially the way this team is playing. So I think he does have a bit of a leash, but it gets to a point where, you know, like the base running thing from the other night, like that can't happen. Like if those start piling up consistently, like three weeks and he's still like the plate approach doesn't look like it's made any progress in the beginning of the year, then yeah, then I'd have no problem sending him back down. I think it's a critical time for him, for him too, because talk about confidence. You know, I think he started yeah. to regain it back in AAA. So that's the other thing you got to think about, too. Like, sending him back down would probably be kind of detrimental. But, like, to answer your question, no, I don't think it's you keep him up no matter what. I do think you're playing him as much as you can and giving him every opportunity to earn it and it be the, the long-term right field solution. But, um, you know, I don't think he's guaranteed yeah. that he stays up. Kevin, any more trade trade proposals? Um, I'm trying to like try, some of them are like buried in the threads here. Um, <laughs> thank okay. by the way, thanks for everyone who did reply. Uh, thanks for contributing to the show. There's a good Especially one, uh, Lance Lynn for Dane Dunning. I, I like that trade. <laughs> We've been getting a lot of um, uh, Bitcoin bots in our in that in that uh thread because we by the way, Cubs did win, they trade. came back. Mitch, what did we say earlier? You get to five, you feel better. Cubs are only five you feel games a lot back better. now. All of a sudden, Cubs are back. See, Ross, All right, Kevin, Kevin, who are we buying? Who are we buying? Who are we buying now? Oh, yeah, we're gonna go with uh, Shohei. I still like. My, to... I still like my Giolito proposal. We're gonna it give Shohei uh, ownership stake at Wrigley. Um, in <laughs> fact, he gets he owns the entire. Uh... Do you guys think uh, like uh, Steve Cohen's gonna offer Shohei uh, like ownership? Like what? Like what? Is, what are teams gonna offer this dude? Who knows? I, I think he stays. If he doesn't come to Chicago, I think he stays in the West Coast. I don't think he's going to New York. I just San don't. Francisco gives him the Korea money for like, Dodgers, in, like three years. It's going to be the Dodgers. It's going right. to be the Dodgers. Las Vegas Athletics in their first big major blockbuster move. <laughs> Science he had a chance. Money. I think the Yankees, the Yankees Yankees offered him a contract when he was initially coming over, and he didn't want to play in New York. He like preferred to stay on the West Coast because yeah. I think he was the furthest east. The Cubs were the furthest team, furthest east. I was, was gonna say Cubs were in the final finalists. Yeah, they were the furthest east. It'd be funny though. You can give Shohei if it was the Vegas Athletics. You can give Show get Shohei like you know like like Vig uh, at the at the book, and so like he like, every time someone takes out markers, like Shohei gets like a percentage of the uh, the interest on those. Uh, it could just be <laughs> rolled into the tax system here in Vegas. It'd be fine. Do you know those tablets that all MLB teams have, like the dugouts, and I'm sure they take on flights? Like, did, uh, if they try to watch games on that, do you think they also have the same MLB blackout? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> they're, they're like trying to watch the live feed of a game, but they can't. <laughs> Depends on their They're airline. flying over that Vegas, so they just funny. get blacked out by a third of the <laughs> league. That happened to me during the World Baseball Classic when we were flying in. It was played in London, I think, right, or something like that. Oh, and. Boy. Oh, so I was over London and blacked out on the flight, so I couldn't watch it. I had to watch like the the game day, and then when I got to the states, the other game was blacked out because it was. Uh, and now the MLB stuff is still insane. Well, it will be. Once so, a- by the way, the uh, standings update, as, as I said earlier, Cubs did beat the Brewers, come back, win in the ninth. Thank you, Brewers. Uh, the Cubs are. Oh well, forget about that. They're still seven games back because the Cincinnati Reds keep winning, so the Reds are actually in first place. Um, so forget also, about the five games. The cup, all right, we're selling again. Uh, what are they, six? They're seven the games back. Phillies need oh, to start. Oh, yeah, no. Yes, Damn no, it. Seven. It's all right. And then the Twins did beat the Royals again. They're 45 and 43. They are now seven and a half games ahead of the White Sox. So. 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 So the Phillies are in need of starting pitching. They are. 
And they do have a young prospect by the name of Justin Crawford that perhaps if you package like a Stroh and Smiley or a Stroh and uh, I don't know, trying to think of something else that might, they, where, where the Rangers have some, or no, the Phillies have some, got to that would be kind of cool. Still, did they still do first base help or no? Have they figured uh, Cause I know they had the injury to uh, Harper playing first. No, he's no, he's not playing first, right? He's still, he's going to be moving to first base here once he's given more, uh, um, clearance. Giolito to the Phillies, maybe. Gio might get me Phillies too. They just need, they need one, like one more. He feels like a Tampa Bay Ray. <laughs> <laughs> That's who I think was going to trade for Giolito. Is Jake Diekman doing good still with the. Uh... Probably. Is. <laughs> Real Don's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now we're buyers. Now we're buyers. Flip it around. We keep going. The Cubs, the Cubs were, in my mind, the Cubs were buyers tonight for, for 10 seconds before I realized the Reds were in first place. <laughs> they just keep yeah, winning. Yeah. I hate to see it. I do. Jake Deacon, overall, 4.4 ERA. All right. That would play in the White Sox bullpen. But actually, but actually, oh, wait, no. He has a 4.4 overall ERA because he had a 7.94 ERA in 13 games with the White Sox since he went with to the Tampa Bay Rays in 21 appearances. He has a 2.0 ERA, 0.98 whip in 17 and one-third innings. That sounds sounds about right. Yeah, mean, but you uh, never trade with Lance you? Lynn gets traded to the Rays and he just becomes a study. He's back to oh my god. <laughs> crotch grabbing going he on like, he like leads Florida. them in the postseason and just... <laughs> dude his screams when he'd like strike out a guy with like echo in that dome yeah i mean i'd just be rattling like, can you imagine <laughs> the field mics in the playoffs with it's like half filled stadium just <laughs> uh-huh. fuck slap dick motherfucker fucker, fucker. <laughs> don't butt on me bitch 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 Slap, dick. Mota, Mota, Mota. <laughs> Any more trade uh, proposals, Kevin, before we get to everyone's favorite segment? Which we wouldn't trade for Otani. We would never trade. Yeah, no, we're trading Mitch, but we're not trading the NASCAR man. <laughs> what? We, we would bring you back to do it, Mitch. I think the value under contract for the NASCAR man. That was the only value in that deal was the NASCAR man. <laughs> You'd well, have to change it. And screwed then. The, just the one way didn't read the, the fine print. It'd be the NASCAR minutes. You'd have to put minutes, an S at the end, and all of a sudden, it's you're safe That's again. Right. Uh, I don't think I have it. I mean, the Cubs. The Cubs just. We don't know, man. We're. I guess we'll know after the All Star break too. Like, how do the Cubs draft? Let's see how the Cubs draft because the draft Quarter is infield, right? It has to, like it has to be third yeah. base, first base. Well, we said that last year in Montgomery, and then they had freaking Cade. What is it? Collier, Cam Collier. Kate Horton's been good except for tonight. Um, yeah, Cam Collier is really good. He's starting to be really good too. It's uh, tough though because right now the the position of needs for like the Cubs is like third base, but like who's trading a solid third baseman right now? Like you're not, you're like you're not getting that. You got to get that double A guy that's like still a year away, unfortunately. Or, like you, sign, right now, or you sign Matt Chapman. Still struggling, but or, yeah. Looking but can we do this one thing though? I do want to make sure. Please, fans, Cubs fans, Sox fans, please stop. Stop with the well. What if we traded him and then he signs us back in the off season? Yeah, it's just yeah, that's not. You know it doesn't happen. Just, okay, it doesn't happen. Once they're traded, that ship sails. 
forget about it. Okay. If you were valuable, they were valuable. They keep them. There's no like secret side handshake where like someone like Gio is like, yeah, trade me. And then I'm going to come back. Or like Stroh's like, yeah, trade me. And I'm going to come back and then sign with you. It, there's no, no. Cause then he leaves. Yeah. And all of a sudden he's like, Oh, this is what a winning locker room feels yeah. like. Uh, yeah. Screw you guys. I'm signing here. Yeah. And let's be honest. I think White Sox don't have a good track record of even trying to visit that. Since they wanted nothing to do with Anthony Rizzo. So. I feel like I'm pretty in tune with uh, MLB baseball. I can literally only think of one guy that that has happened in the past like decade, and that was Roldis Chapman when he was yes. traded to the Cubs and then he re-signed with the Yankees. That's like the only guy I can remember that was traded and then re-signed. Um, so again, thanks for everyone uh, on Twitter that replied to Zoe's thread there. Uh, thanks for everyone listening. But before we end tonight's show, this week's show... We have to listen to everyone's favorite segment. It's time for the NASCAR Minute. All right, it's going to be a big NASCAR Minute. NASCAR came to Chicago this week. Uh, well, they didn't really cooperate. But before I get to that, so NBC snubbed the White Sox once again in their trailer, hyping up all the great Chicago sports teams in the city. They ignored the White Sox. I got a bone to pick with that. Did the Cubs have a car that was sponsored in the race? No. Now, I will say, I'll give the Cubs props. They had a NASCAR night, and they brought out Daytona 500 winner, uh, Martin Tru- or not Martin Truex, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. So that's a pretty big get. Then they had two other scrubs, John Nemeth, Shaq, and Harrison Burton. Then on top of that, they had 23-11 night to kiss Michael Jordan's ass. So they had his NASCAR team out there, Bubba Wallace and, all right, and uh, Tyler Reddick. So pretty good get once again. Now, the White Sox, though, they're not catering to the main scene fans. For their NASCAR night, they had Ray Everingham, crew chief for Doug, Jeff Gordon. So, like, the diehard fans, that's the good get. And still, NASCAR... Wouldn't even acknowledge him on the broadcast. That was kind of bullshit. On to the race itself, though. Uh, this is like a world-class street circuit. Like, honestly, like, the Chicago did a great The Chicago NASCAR did a great job putting that track together. It was beautiful. Jensen Button, who used to race in Formula One, said that was by far the hardest track he's ever driven on as far as street circuits go. Now, this was Lynch's cool race for a couple of different reasons. One, it was the first, obviously, street race in NASCAR's 75-year history. Chicago got the honors of hosting it. And two, even in Formula One and a lot of these other series where they're hosting street course races, they're not in a major city like Chicago. Like, Chicago is one of, like, the, obviously, like, that's the biggest city that anything like this has ever been tried in. All right, so on to the race itself. Denny Hamlin, he won the pole with a heater of a lap in qualifying. So he comes off a uh, turn, uh, I think it was, like, six or something. He slips, hits the tire barrier. So he's out of the race, or he moves back in the pack. Eric Amarola, he also ran in trouble. There's water all over the track. He spun out. Then all of a sudden, Kyle Busch goes flying into the tire barrier. Then the the funniest was Noah Gregson, who's the guy that signed the Zintin I was talking about earlier in the year. He's kind of a funny dude. He had a vendetta with the tire barriers. Uh, that man in his Wendy's car, like, he hit him a, like three times in practice. First lap of the race, he goes crashing into it. Later in the race, he goes spinning into it. He just kept connecting with tire barriers. Now, the real story of the race, so Christopher Bell was starting to run away with it for Toyota. He's up front. 
comfortable lead. He's dodging the chaos from behind him. So he goes into pit like pretty early. And NASCAR right after he pits was like, hey, actually, it's going to get dark pretty soon because they were like 15 minutes away from canceling the entire race or moving the entire race altogether because of the monsoon that was coming down. So he goes into pit a bit early uh, and then NASCAR's like, actually, we're shortening the race by 25 laps. So he got screwed over because these other guys that pit earlier didn't need to pit again. So all of a sudden they cycle up to the front. One of those guys was uh, Chase Elliott's bitch ass who, you know, he was terrible in qualifying. He crashed twice. He was in the back of the field. But because he pit really early, all of a sudden, he's in second. Who's in first? It's this guy, Justin Haley, who you've never heard of before because he's always in the back of the field. But he's in first place. So it's like, wait, what the hell's going on here? Justin Haley holding on to the couple of turns. Uh, Austin Dillon's behind him, but he spun out. He crashed. Everyone was crashing. Uh, Noah Gregson in the Whopper car or uh, Wendy's car. He hit the tire barrier again. So Haley looks like he's going to win. But then here comes Shane Van Ginsberger. You haven't heard of him either because he's a ringer. He's a road course ringer from Australia. He races in the supercar series. He usually races on the wrong side of the road in that series. That series, they also have mirrors on their cars. So completely different for him. He's making his cup debut. They tried. So Trackhouse, uh, the team that Daniel Suarez is on, they always enter a third car for big events called project 91 it's kind of like a one-off car so the first like specialty driver the whole thing is they get like foreign celebrity drivers to come in so the first one was kimmy reichen a formula or a formula one driver for ferrari uh pretty big get he kind of sucked got exposed by these nascar guys because like you know he's used to the uh so like he'll come in with the open wheel racing and then these guys joey logano will send it like six wide and go bowling ball off of them well this van ginsburg this aussie he was the real deal i mean the guy was like with the clutch, he would like tap the clutch. The way he'd go through the gears, like in his footwork was incredible. I recommend looking up because he'd use like all three and he like tethered like the clutch to like balance the cars and go through the turns. So this man's just picking off cars, worked his way up from 18th down to um, third. Chase Elliott's right in front of him. He passes him. So now he's got his sights set on Haley. So Van Ginsburg starts running him down, running him down. He makes a crossover move. Caution comes out. So they got to restart once again. Single file restarts. Lots of chaos here. Van Ginsburg, he's not faced, comes right back at him, dives into turn two, gets a really good runoff, makes the pass, but Haley, you know, he crosses him over. He's not giving up this win that easy. Crosses him back over, takes the lead. Van Ginsburg coming into turn three, then retakes the lead there. A great swap back and forth. He holds on, gets the victory. It's the first time a guy in their debut has ever won since 1963. Uh, so a big deal for the guy from New Zealand who came in there. And it's funny listening to all the post-race interviews. Like Joey Logano is like, couldn't even pronounce his name correctly. He's Van Ginzi, uh, Van Berger. I mean, that foreigner just came in and uh, kicked our butts, man. <laughs> and like all these guys are getting embarrassed by like these foreigners. It's pretty funny. So uh, congrats to Van Ginsberger. Uh, the race is pretty cool despite the fact he got shortened in. Uh, it was a monsoon out there. The track kind of looked like Zoe's basement at the moment. But that is your NASCAR Minute. I hope it comes back next year because it was a really cool event. A lot of these guys were against Chicago. Even like the NASCAR people like, oh, it's too dangerous in Chicago. Oh, you can't bring it there. It's not against our core values. It's not a good old boys. But like even they were like, yeah, like that race is pretty cool. Like the racing was really good. So props to Chicago, props to NASCAR. That's your NASCAR Minute. I started drinking at 6 a.m., we're here now, I don't know what time it is, but I'm rolling deep, and those cars are going real fast and real left, son. They're going fast and left. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
What sucked more, the rain postponed or like completely canceling the concerts on Sunday, or just the race situation because of the rain? For me, it was the race situation, obviously. But obvi- I, I think because like there was a lot of people that only bought the tickets for the concerts. Like the Chainsmokers mm-hmm. is like a pretty big concert. Yeah. Um, now they got the Black Crows in the afternoon, which is honestly the only oh. one of the four that I wanted to see. So like that kind of worked out. But like the Chainsmokers was a big deal, and like a lot of people were really upset about that. And what was interesting, like the way it happened, it wasn't even like NASCAR. This wasn't NASCAR's fault. It was the city's fault how it worked out. So they were supposed to go right after the Xfinity race. And as part of their deal, they had to start by, uh, they had to be done before nine o'clock. One, because the Chainsmokers had a concert in Vegas later that evening that they had to be at. And two, the city was like, this thing needs to be shut down at a decent hour just because people live uh, nearby. So uh, when the race got like postponed, NASCAR's policy is like 30 minutes for lightning in the area. Uh, So there's lightning eight miles away. And they were two laps short of halfway. So you also, this is the other thing that was interesting. You have to get to halfway in NASCAR for the race to be official. It's like the fifth inning rule for baseball. Okay. So a lot of people were like, just run the last two laps just in case because they saw the forecast tomorrow. But NASCAR, I had no lightning in the area, we'll wait. Uh, so the city, because of their policy, I guess someone got struck by lightning in Soldier Field a couple years ago. So the city's policy, like public events like this, you got to clear everyone out. So NASCAR's like, oh, 30 minutes. And they didn't realize the city's policy. Well, the city people were like, everyone get out. So they cleared everyone out of the track, everyone out of Grant Park. So by the time NASCAR was ready to go again, everyone was already gone. Like, all right, well, let's move it to tomorrow. And then it was too much of a hassle to get people back in for the chain smokers thing. And they, because they had somewhere to be and they had to be done by eight, they're like, well, that's just canceled. So that was unfortunate for a lot of people. Uh, yeah. Uh, and obviously it's not like that would have been a pretty cool concert. Like the setup they had there was really nice. It was like a Lollapalooza type stage. Um, it was like really cool the way they did that whole thing. So that definitely put a damper on things. And then just all the activities stuff they had like planned Sunday that literally got rained out with the monsoon, like that, the field where they were supposed to have the concerts was like a mud pit. Yeah. Um, so that was not, uh, now, I was shocked they even got it in because the track had like standing water on it in a lot of spots and they were trying to drive the best they could and like, oh, this is the best it's going to get. Let's, let's run for it. So that's what also made it kind of cool, though, because like you see these drivers, the course is hot, tough as it is. But then when you're trying to manage the water and, and everything sliding around, it made things even tougher because these guys are like good. Like Kyle Bush is no scrub. And he looked like one on Sunday, crashing in all these tires. I was, <laughs> I was gonna say, like, cause what did it look? I mean, it looked like it was like seriously, like just a bunch of dudes like on a golf cart track because of the was it the weather or was it because of like the track itself was tight? Because it wasn't just like a traditional, you know, obviously circle. You there, it was almost like an F one race and or not an F one race, but we're like like it, a was, race. like it was very. It was yeah. So like going up, like there was an F one driver in the right Jensen Bunt, which like I said earlier, and he's racing all these like F one about Wendy's, races. but. Yeah, well, he uh, he was like, yeah, this is the toughest course I've ever raced on. Like, they tracked Saturday, like the Wendy's car Saturday, when there was no water, crashed in the tire barrier twice. Chase Elliott spun out. Like, a lot of good drivers were having problems just when it wasn't rainy in general because they'd have a lot of blind right-hand turns. Right. And then there were some sections. The first six sections, there was good passing zones, which you need on a road course because it's hard to pass, which is why this one was great, too, because there's a lot more passing than people thought. But then, like, the last couple was really narrow. Like, you saw, like, the one overhead shot, I'm sure, of, like, that traffic jam. Like, that Mm -hmm. corner is, like, threading a needle when you're coming down, like, that long straightaway. So, very tough track in general. And then you add all the water on there. And cars are sliding around off the turns. That's why that Van Ginsburg was so impressive. Because, like I said, he'd, like, tether the throttle. And then you got Gregson in the Wendy's car, who would just, like, usually they just hammer down the clutch when they're shifting. uh, Where he would, like, kind of, like, bounce on the clutch. It's hard to explain, but... um, 
uh, he would like work all three pedals and more like, you know, Wendy's guy, you know, he just hammering the clutch and then he'd go flying in because he missed like a shift or something wrong. But yeah, the, he had a tough day uh, out there. Um, but good advertising for him. He had no shot at winning anyway. That car got plenty of TV time because he kept <laughs> crashing. He even spun out after the race. They were driving back to pit road. I will send it to you guys. Maybe put it on the uh, uh, pinwheels. Twitter. It's like pretty funny because like Wendy's car, they're driving back to pit road and the guy's like talking to his people and you see Gregson in front of him, like spin out and he's like, fucking idiot. Just spun out. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I'll send it to you guys. But, but it's, yeah, it was, he had a tough day at the office. You know, I, I remember seeing the videos of like all the rain on Sunday and like the fans who did show up and I'm like, oh man, that's just, that just oh sucked. So what also good. sucked, yeah, it what also sucked like general admission, which is what I had, which I didn't realize, like there wasn't a whole lot of good spots. So you better had to be like right by the fence. And like we figured because it was like raining, not many people would be there. Decent amount of crowd early. So like it was tough to have a good view. Like I was fortunate to have like a decent view, like right off of turn one. You can see part of turn two. But as the race went along, like more and more people started filing in and it got like 10 rows deep. And you could tell most of them were not NASCAR fans. So it was like the first time seeing it, which is also like kind of cool. Because mm. a lot of these people, you know, just saw like them racing by in single file. It was cool. And so like that was cool for me to see too, because a lot of these people clearly were at their like first race ever. And it was a fun sport. Like going live, I get on TV sometimes it's boring on the ovals. But like going see them in person, like just how fast they're going and the skill it takes, especially on a street course like that. It's definitely fun to watch. For sure, for sure. Kevin, did you watch any of it? The yes, I. Uh, that's what I was asking. Like, why? It, it felt slow. It felt like a bunch of dudes like in golf carts. Like, yeah. it, it, that's what I was wondering if it was like if that was what it was expected to be because of the the course itself. Like, I know we're gonna have the F one here in the fall here in Vegas too. It's the same thing. These guys are gonna be rocking on a course that's not just straightaways. Like, it's you've got a turn, you've yeah. got hard turns, and they're blind turns. So, like, that was. That to me was interesting because I felt like it was more out of the box from NASCAR than I think F1 is kind of used to it a little bit because you've got, you know, you yeah. have the big races like in, uh, what is it, uh, the, the big one where everyone, all the rich people in the world go with the giant yacht. Monaco. Monaco. Monaco, yeah. Monaco yep. Where Tony Stark got attacked one day by uh, <laughs> a Russian guy with uh, electric uh, whips. But um, yeah, no, I, I it was interesting. It was cool. Like, again, I mean, it. I, my social media what like the the whatever it was popping like people were talking about it which is great um i think nascar to go out of the box and try something like that is really neat to, to do stuff like that because it does it's a pain in the ass for everybody that lives there but now it's over right so now you can get back to your life here the f1 thing once they finished construction everything is here now the infrastructure is there and i guess they're going to do another f1 here but the traffic on the strip has been horrible because they've been preparing for the race and i know chicago feels the same pain it's it's to go from one you know from link from flamingo to trop it could be a 15 minute drive some days here it, it, which if you know vegas that's like that's, you, can walk, you can walk it in five um so it's that's part that, of it yeah the relief yeah. You now you guys don't have to worry about the it's over now and it was cool but you know, and nascar it, was having a bigger risk just because like Chicago is not known as a big NASCAR market. Like Formula One, it's so popular worldwide, and those races are so expensive to go to. But usually, the Formula One crowd goer is like from Europe or whatever, or they are like they have a lot of money. It's like they're going to be able to pay those tickets. And Vegas is obviously a good vacation destination. They're going to make so much money they say from that Super race. Bowl, it's going to be insane. It's going to make twice as much for our economy than the Super Bowl. Like Would twice. Not surprise they're buying the thirty racks of Bush. Just split them up into the six packs. They <laughs> won't, yeah. 
They here, were, see, that's like Formula One. That's the thing, though. Like, they're like more classy. They, they oh, that's right. It's F1. Like it's F1. And so they will be going, they will be million going dollar packages. <laughs> it's insane. They'll be Jeez. going a lot faster than the NASCARs, but I guarantee you that race will be dog shit. Like, that will actually just be single file parade. You will not see a lot of passing. It's hard to pass on a street course in general. And in Formula One, there's not a whole lot of passing nowadays anyway. That is going to be single file most of the race, like strung out. It's not worth the money to go to that one. They're going to make a lot of money. That's one you definitely want to watch on TV, though. They're selling $5 million ticket packages. Yeah, $5 million dollar ticket packages. like To watch to, Max Verstappen beat everyone by 20 seconds. Basically, two tickets to the race and a... How much street, color are you eating in that? God damn. A strip-side-facing window that you can watch some of the race. But you also have tickets to the race, so you're not really going to watch it from your penthouse. So it's, like, really strange how they do it. But, hey, you know, you take a chance, and that's Stupid. fun stuff. Yeah, it's <laughs> off to those people who are going to buy... <laughs> Formula One this year has had one team win every single race. There have only been two winners this entire season. Uh, one, and they're all they're both from the same team. Like it's not it's not fun. Like Max Verstappen wins every race. It's one of the last two championships. They got popular because of Netflix. Netflix. They're starting to plateau because like everyone started tuning in. They realized the racing stunk. Netflix hit a gold mine because the year, the first year they did it, there was COVID. So not many people were watching and they had the best championship battle and like their history. It was really exciting. Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen came down to the final race. Well, that was an outlier. That usually doesn't happen. And it's starting to show now. And so like everyone that got hooked, like I'll be honest, I got hooked watching the Netflix show. You start watching those races. They're not very good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you said, there's, there's no passing. Like it's it's single fights. Have you yeah. seen though, like like Monaco when you when they pan out to the water at Monaco and you've got these like half a billion dollar yachts all just kind of like tethered up, like hey, it's like, it looks like the docks in Chicago, like except they're half a oh, half it's a, yeah, it's, it's a social yacht. event. It's, it's a social event. They don't more. go yeah. for the race. Oh. There has not been a pass for the lead in Monaco since like the early 1980s. And they race there every year. <laughs> like that is how bad the racing is on that course. I, I swear to God, it's a real stat. You can look it up. Yeah, that's going to be, we got that in the Super Bowl coming up here in Vegas. That'll be fun. All within like four months of each other. It's a lot. Vegas, is, right. Super Bowl in Vegas would be an event I would go to. Like that, yep. that's pretty cool. Yeah, we're trying to, uh, Trying to, there's no way we're gonna get tickets. I mean, tickets are going for like six thousand, seven thousand bucks for right. that too. Work the connections, Kevin. Yeah. Have you been to the stadium? So here's the thing is, you pitch a client it's like my fiance's company. You pitch a client that has some sort of placement in the Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. There you because you, you got to work the game, right? And they really don't work the game at all. But like, where'd that? Where'd Kevin go? Oh, he's uh, drunk on the sideline. He's on the yeah. He's on the. He's doing hospitality he's, and he's shotgunning he's, a beer. <laughs> Kevin's <laughs> calling a play. Kevin's dancing during the halftime show. Look at him. He's bumping and grinding with Beyonce. Hey, what up? So yeah, that's uh, yeah, that should be fun. That, that's cool that these they're trying this stuff though. I mean, because because racing, you know, is it's 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 a different sport. It has a, a niche, but they want to expand their market, and you've got to kind of like try stuff. To do it it's it's like with baseball doing the field of dreams game it's like uh the end you know ncaa playing on a an aircraft carrier you know you've got you got to try some things to kind of like i don't know draw attention to say hey this is crazy but the sport is less craziness but it's pretty cool and that's how you kind of again can draw on some extra you know eyes to answer Ian's question I just saw really quickly, like whether they should have postponed or not, they probably should have postponed, but the city, like NASCAR was trying to make, because like when the new mayor came in, 
they signed a three-year deal, but the new brand was like, I don't know if we want to do this three-year deal. NASCAR really wants to make this thing like work. So they're trying to make it as inconvenient for the city as possible, especially with that Xfinity race. They could have returned on Monday and ran like less of it, but they were like, it's not worth it for like their equivalent of like their AAA series. So they're yeah. like, we're not going to do that. And then same with the cup one. They're like, well, we have a window. We can fit it in. Let's start tear down tomorrow as soon as possible. So like, I think they did make the right decision as much as it did suck that it was in the rain, but you know, made it a little bit more interesting. All right, boys, as we uh, head to the end of the show here, any, any final thoughts for this week? All-Star Week, All-Star Week came up fast. I don't know, for me, the month of June went by uh, really fast. Like uh, All-Star Break already coming up next week. And then, I mean, we're, we're already in the second half of the season, schedule-wise. Mm-hmm. Any any final thoughts about our, our clubs? Just, uh, we're all in the same place. It's kind of weird that Cub fans <laughs> and Sox fans are... We've been in the same shit. It's literally, you said it earlier, Mitch. It, we've been a broken record, because... They just keep doing the same shit for the past eight weeks. <laughs> get hot for a few game. games for a couple series, then look terrible. Get hot, look terrible. It just yeah. doesn't stop. I do have to say, though, check out Sports Mockery. Download Sports Mockery app because the trade, trade deadline season, the next three weeks, there's going to be rumors Can't flying be everywhere. It's going to be a busy time for both teams in Chicago. Yeah. Um, Either way, sell or buy. It's It's, it's yep. weird. It's it, it, it's going to be interesting. That's all um, you I need to know, I guess. Uh, everyone, let's uh, hope for the best for Zoe. Tough times for him tonight. Uh, thank you to Kevin, Mitch, um, Aldo. Thank you for all listening, tuning in. Hit the like button on YouTube. Subscribe. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to us. And uh, stay dry out there. Until next week. See ya. This Padres pitch is shitting bricks right now. Why? Because Danny fucking Burgess is up and back. Guy just started Shake Shack straight to the dugout. Free build of the favorites. We here for the latest. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. It's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantee, so the whole league that we hear now. New show with a new mood. Discussions and interviews. Straight rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on a boy, yeah. Every season, nigga, it all change. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on a boy.